Hello, boils and ghouls. I'm here to tell you a tale. A tale that will chill your bones. So just sit right back and you'll hear a tale. A tale of a fateful trip that started from this tropic port aboard this tiny ship. The mate was a mighty sailing man, the skipper brave and sure. Five passengers set sail that day for a three-hour tour. A three-hour tour! <laughs> the weather started getting rough. The tiny ship was tossed. If not for the courage of the fearless crew, the minnow would be lost. I said the minnow would be lost. But then Cthulhu rose from the scene and fucking ate them all. That's right, horror movies on boats on this episode of Attack of the Killer Podcast. Attention planet Earth and beyond. Stay tuned for Attack of the Killer Ahoy, me mateys! Welcome aboard, ye landlovers, to the Attack of the Killer podcast boat. The mightiest <laughs> ship on the seven seas. I am your captain, Insane Mike. Glad to have you aboard! We are about to set sail. Before we do, you must pay the tolls for coming along on our journey. I hear that you... <laughs> He's doing hand gestures. This is awesome. <laughs> I hear that you... All found some buried treasure. What do ye all plan to do with the treasure? Well, you can donate it to our Patreon. The ship is in need of some upkeep, and your gold doubloons are highly needed. There are holes in the sails. There, we need new cannonballs. There's black mold in the captain's chambers. And I need a new monkey. So go to patreon.com backslash AOTKP and check out the perks for donating to our Patreon, such as getting to choose a commentary track for us to do. Also, there are bonus episodes just for the donators. Also, we will sing ye a sea chanty. Attack of the Killer Podcast is a proud member of the Phantom Podcast Network. I said member. If you have not gone to the site, go to downrightcreepy.com backslash phantom to check out all of the other shows. Help support the network and all of our fellow podcast brothers and sisters and get hours upon hours of listening content surely to give you eargasms. Now, if you are coming across our show for the first time, thanks to the network, let me explain what Attack of the Killer Podcast is. Attack of the Killer podcast is a viral disease caused by herpes simplex virus. Infections are categorized based upon the part of the body that's infected. Oh wait, that was something else I googled earlier. Never mind, never mind. Attack of the Killer podcast is a show about a group of friends who pick a topic and discuss horror movies within that topic. We openly discuss these films, so there will be spoilers all over the place. Where'd your accent go? I don't want to do it anymore. Okay. If you, but if you spray, you might clear those spoilers up within a day or two. Oh. Now, ye scallywags, I will introduce you to me crew. 
is currently swabbing the deck, and I told him he'll go blind if he keeps doing that. Jason Bollinger! <laughs> uh, ahoy. Do I have to, do ahoy I, is correct! Do I have to put, like, pirate music instead of the A-Team theme? Aye, me team Oh, God. Next. The last time he went shark fishing, he was really helpful. Some might say he was a real chum. Brian Clark, everyone! Yar, the shark took me hand, and next time I'll take his fin. <laughs> <laughs> that was the sorry, it's the best I could come up with. <laughs> On no notice. <laughs> you could fire me now. <laughs> oh no. He is busy cleaning up his mess because he didn't understand what the poop deck was for. Had good! <laughs> Hello. <laughs> And next and last is our sea winch. And next there is the sea hammer. And there is also the sea screwdriver. And then the sea saw. And holding that sea toolbox is Terry Turfer. Uh, arr. That's right. <laughs> Woo, how's everybody? <laughs> I'm exhausted yeah, after that no. introduction. I'm sweating. So am I. <laughs> oh, I figure I better stop before my voice gives out. Okay. All right. So if you haven't noticed on the show uh, by now that we follow a certain format, and uh, we're not going to change it for this episode either because I don't want to rock the boat. Uh-huh. So let's do some killer news. <laughs> To start off with, it uh, I just saw a trailer today that Terry posted in the group of a new Netflix series called Little Evil. It comes out in the first week of September. And it appears that they are trying to beat the BBC to the punch because next year, in 2018, the BBC is launching a miniseries based on Neil Gaiman and Terry Pratchett's book, Good Omens, starring Michael Sheen and David Tennant. So, while I like a lot of the people involved with Little Evil... It's the well, asylum version. Good omens. Uh, <laughs> it's I'm, a I'm, little. I mean, I, it's been it's a while since I've read that book, but it's definitely a little different. It's more. This one seems like more of just a straight up spoof of like the omen. Yeah, that was that was my takeaway. So I yeah. was going to ask because I hadn't read the book. If the book was funny, because this looks like it could be pretty funny. Oh, the book well, Good yeah. Omens is amazing. But I, I'm just being a crotchety asshole about it. <laughs> what? Because that's my job. Yeah, I know. <laughs> well, and Little Evil, is it a series or was it a movie? I guess I couldn't tell. Oh, maybe, maybe it is a movie. I, I, think I, it's a movie. I for some reason thought it was a series. Yeah. But yeah, I mean, um, Adam Scott and um, Tyler Labine and yeah. a whole bunch of people are in it. It looks, it, it, could, it could be funny. Hopefully. I mean, the trailer made it look pretty good. So. It'll be funny. It'll be yeah. good. Yeah. There, there's room in the world for two funny Antichrist kid things, I know. I'm just... <laughs> well, like I but I don't want to get my hopes up too much, because did you guys did you guys see Hell Baby? Nope. Yes. I didn't really find it very funny, and there's so many no. great people in that movie that I love and I think are hilarious and talented, but... Yeah, it, it kind of was flat for me. What'd you think of it, Tad? 
Uh, it's forgettable. Uh, yeah. It had, like I said, it had so many great people in it, and it was such a huge letdown. And most of the jokes fell pretty flat. It was awkward. The timing was bad. I don't know. Just did not impress me. Yeah. So I mean, so even though this trailer looks funny, I'm like not getting my hopes up too high yet. You know, just because. I was so looking forward to Hell Baby too, just based on the talent that was in it. So, well, yeah, and I don't. I think partially the fact that it's being done by Netflix makes me a little excited too, because I think they're really up and comers in the as far as horror goes. I feel like they're going to bring us some good stuff. Well, and I mean they've been putting out so much content, but every time I stumble upon something that I would find interesting that they've done. It has yet to disappoint me. Yeah, well, that's true. They, they're pretty uniformly solid in their quality so far. Yeah. And the director and writer of this is the same guy who did Tucker and Dale vs. Evil. So. Oh! Oh, sold. All yeah. right. It's okay. <laughs> oh, well done. You turn me around. See, I, I didn't pay that. Uh, it, it, I was scrambling to get a bunch of stuff put together before the show, and, and I, I wasn't paying enough attention. So, shame on me. Don't this is it. what you get when you get someone who doesn't follow the news to read the news <laughs> ten minutes before we start recording. It says well, that he, this guy did the um, the Zombie Land pilot that Amazon they did like one episode I think in 2013. Uh-huh. Did anybody watch that? Uh-uh. Uh, me either. I remember but, uh, hearing about it. <laughs> yeah. <clears throat> so, anyways. Uh, <laughs> Hopefully it's good. Eli Craig is his name. Yeah. Cool. Uh, there's another fun movie that I just caught the trailer for earlier today uh, called Bear With Us. It's uh, now available on iTunes and Amazon and stuff. This is the first I've heard of it, but uh, apparently it won a bunch of awards at various festivals that it was making the rounds on earlier this year. Um, it was written and directed and produced by William J. Stribling and Russ Nickel, and it's about a guy who is, uh, his fiance is kind of reticent about accepting his proposal. He tried it once and she turned him down, so he's going to make a romantic weekend of it out in the woods, and he takes her out to this cabin and he's going to propose out in the wilderness and you know back to nature kind of thing, and then there's a killer bear and a crazy mountain man, and uh, it's shot in black and white, and the... Um, the vibe I got from the trailer was it's kind of Mel Brooksy. Nice. Yeah, it looked so, pretty fun. Yeah, I'm I'm kind of excited to check this one out. Yeah. What was it called again? Bear with us. Okay. It looked cool. So yeah, that's what I got. That's it. <laughs> that's all right. No news is good. Oh, Terry, you had another thing. Did you post another thing? Um, yeah. Oh, they're making a Dead Snow 3. Oh, nice. And it's, I guess it's rumored to have um, zombie Hitler this time. <laughs> Good. So that should be interesting. I love time. those movies. So, I'll watch it. The first one left me a little cold. Same. Sorry. Same. <laughs> But the second one, I laughed my ass off. Yeah. So good. Oh, yeah. So good. I'm definitely excited for another one. Here's the thing. I just found it. John Carpenter is putting oh, out yeah. a new <laughs> album and touring again. Sweet. And he's in Minneapolis. 
two hours away from me. Yay, on a Tuesday. Fuck. (laughs) (laughs) Bummer. How many vacation days left? Shit. Yeah. But I can still (laughs) buy the album. (laughs) Totally. It's uh, re-recording his uh, classic movie themes with the new band that he was touring with last year. Okay. Did you guys go to any of those shows? No. Nope. No. I went to the Chicago one, and it was like the coolest concert I've ever been to. It was incredible. <laughs> nice. <clears throat> That's cool. We did get to watch um, Alan Howarth at... Um, yeah. Which one was that? Some convention. Yep. <laughs> yeah, I forget which one. And it was, and I mean, it was really small. Yeah, it was Horror Hound in Cincinnati. Yeah. But... I mean, it was such a small thing, but it was still awesome. So I can't even imagine how much more awesome Carpenter would be. No doubt. Yeah, it was very, very cool. Like, you wouldn't think just watching some guy play synthesizer for, you know, an hour and a half or whatever would be that entertaining. But it was freaking awesome. It was. Yeah. Yeah, with Carpenter, he has, like, his, the full band with his son and his godson. Awesome. Uh, so, so hearing some of those like old themes with a with a guitar and bass and everything was just really crazy. Oh, I didn't cool. know if I'd enjoy it, but he played. He had like the montage of clips behind him as he played each song, and he was. You could tell. I mean, is like the happiest I've seen John Carpenter maybe ever because in every <laughs> interview he's just sort of like a yeah crotchety old guy. But when he's on yeah. stage, it's like you actually see him sort of smile. It's like you know, who is this guy? Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, awesome. And and you're not the first person I heard say that, too, so it's obviously he really, really loves playing music. Yeah. It's fun to do, I'll tell you that. You know a thing or two about that. Yep. All right, so cool. Thanks, you guys, for the killer news. Um, some good stuff there. All right, so let's get into it. Um, I'm going to, I want to talk about I want to ask everybody something first, um, and it wasn't a movie that was on the list, but I just got to thinking about it, and it is kind of related, because, like, the climactic scene is on, is on a boat, so, which Cape Fear do you like better, the original (laughs) or the Scorsese film? Has everybody seen both? I haven't seen either one. Really? Really? <laughs> I've only oh, seen. I the thought for sure one. you'd be with me, Terry, because I know you like a lot more classic films and stuff. It's just not one I've seen. It has De Niro in it, right? Well, the the, the remake has the, the Scorsese has De Niro. Yeah. The original was with um, um, shit. I'm just blanked. Help me. Nope. You're on your own. <clears throat> um, You're on an island. You need a good boat. question, Mike. None of us know the movies. Gregory Peck. Gregory yes. Gregory right. Peck was the hero, and the bad guy was Robert Mitchum. Okay. Yeah. Well, fine. <laughs> I I really really like the Gregory Peck film version of Moby Dick. If that helps, that's got a climax <laughs> and on, that's a on boat. the boat. Yeah, yeah. That sort of helps. There you go. Yeah. <laughs> well, I love the Scorsese film, and not to take anything away from the original film because the original is really good too. Original's got some is is a lot more subtle than the Scorsese film, but I've just I've heard complaints about the Scorsese film being 
too over the top, and not just like in the content, but like it is. It's one of his more stylized films, I think. Like visually, like the, some of the camera work he does in that movie, and especially when you get to the when you get to the final scene on the boat, because it's it's almost dreamlike. Because I don't, I, I it it's almost as if they it was shot on sets because it doesn't ever really look like a real environment, but it still looks really cool, and it's just. There's a lot of like pushing camera shots and 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 crazy lighting and angles and stuff and <clears throat> I love it for its stylization but there are I guess hardcore original Cape Fear fans out there that don't like it just because because they have closed minds. Well, just because the original <laughs> the original is so effective in its subtlety. Uh, so. Well, you know. Yeah. So whatever. Fine. <laughs> <clears throat> You guys need to watch Cape Fear movies. I love the second one. I know. Well, maybe you should have should have put it on the list if you want us to watch it. <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, oh Ask fine. Those questions about things that aren't. <laughs> let's aren't start the show. Let's do. Re- let's just leave everything we did and talk about something else. <laughs> Son of a bitch, Saunders. Well, yeah, that's how I roll. <laughs> so Titanic. Okay. <clears throat> it is on a boat. And it's that's right, and it's horrific. Hey. <laughs> Okay, so who wants to start us off? Terry? Um, okay. How about Frankenfish? Nice. <laughs> um, yeah. So, it's in the bayou. Um, I'm guessing in Orleans. I can't remember. In New Orleans. Down around um, there, yeah. And... So I I can't even remember how it starts. Does someone go missing or? Yeah, yeah. The one they report something, and so someone goes to investigate, and they there's this little um, colony of people kind of living out there off the grid, and uh, they tell stories of like the evil fish or the curse that comes from a certain area, and they discover that it's these giant mutated fish mm-hmm. um, and they attack people and stuff and it was surprisingly surprisingly way better than I thought it would be I know me too really? I really thought so too yeah no it was actually like a decent film <laughs> I thought the same thing because I was expecting the absolute worst so yeah no it, maybe it's because my expectations were so low I was like yeah, yeah, I actually enjoyed it like I I was with it the whole time it didn't get pulled away or anything yeah I, I found myself actually kind of like getting really getting into it in, in a couple points you know yeah but yeah because on the surface it just looks like you know your typical made for sci-fi channel CGI CGI giant animal movie yeah, it has, like, the same cover as, like, Piranha or Anaconda. That's what it looks like. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, and I'd seen that thing sitting on, like, video store shelves, like, for years. And, like, nope, not doing that. But, <laughs> and I and I probably still never would have done it if it, if I didn't put it on the list. But, but yeah, it was, it was, it ended up being a, a pretty fun ride. And, like, yeah, some of the, especially... When like the final scene, when you see the fish in the daylight, the CGI is is pretty shitty. Um, but yeah. you know, there's a there's a few moments of like practical effects that look really good. And you know, during the night, some of that some of that CGI fish doesn't look too bad. 
<laughs> you know, there's obviously been a lot worse, but like, there's some production value in this movie. You know, they they burned down one of the houseboats, and you know, I, I found it very Jaws-ish with uh, with the houseboats sinking and them just hanging out on top of the roofs while they just slowly sink. So. Um, the reason you may have got a sci-fi channel vibe from it is it was a sci-fi channel movie back in the day when that could ah. still be a semi-respectable thing. The, what <laughs> really saves it is it was not made by the Asylum. True. You know, it's not, <laughs> yeah. it's not a yeah. fucking Sharknado three-headed bullshit attack movie. Um, <laughs> it's up to five heads, by the way. Did you see that? Uh, five-headed yes, shark I, attack? I will oh not God. watch. Yeah. I couldn't even make it through the first one, and I don't have any standards at That's all. Right. That's right. For my entertainment. <laughs> but, uh, no, Frankenfish was made by a different outfit. I don't remember who the filmmakers were, even if they made any other things of note. But, uh, yeah, like you said, there's some neat practical effects. And the CGI looks the way it does I think more because it's dated than the like Asylum movies their CG is just dog shit because they don't care I mean yeah. they openly do not care if you've ever read an interview with the president of that company he out and out says we're a sausage factory we just crank this shit out to make money nobody here gives a fuck about what we're making mm. um, so you know with Frankenfish they wanted to make a cool movie they didn't have a whole lot of money to do it but they put what they could on the screen and i appreciate that it feels to me like a more of an old-fashioned uh monster romp kind of a throwback to you know an 80s style type of thing almost what it really reminds me of is tremors oh yeah you were talking about them stuck on top of the boats and stuff it makes me think of all the people in perfection up on top of their houses now, granted, it's nowhere near as good as Tremors. That's one of my favorite movies of all time. But, <laughs> you know, it tries and mostly succeeds. And for that, I really, really dig Frankenfish. Plus, I just love monster movies. I mean, that's no secret, obviously. So in any time a monster movie has a cool monster and is even kind of okay, not entirely shit, <laughs> I'll like it. So. Yeah, I thought the lead guy wasn't a very good actor. Um his performance was a little stale, um, and like you expected, you expected there's a formula to it, and you expected things to go a certain way. But I thought for sure that that the uh, um, the hunting and fishing lady, the biologist, or whoever she was, I thought for sure she was going to survive, but nope. Yeah, hers was kind of like, surprise! Yeah, yeah. <laughs> We're just going to kill this main character off in one second. Yeah. And not even by the fish. Spoiler yeah, alert. it was an accident. Oh. <clears throat> yeah, so yeah, it was pretty cool. There's some cool gore in it, if you like that thing. And I do. What's well, sort of... Sort of interesting about this one, when I was... Every time we do these, I sort of look up to, to see who wrote and directed these things, and Simon Barrett, who did um, The Guest and the new Blair Witch, and uh, he did Your Next, he was one of the co-writers of Frankenfish. No <laughs> kidding. Wow. Yeah, it was like his third project, so that's sort of interesting to uh, see his name pop up on something like this. It sort of makes sense, because it's act- like, like you guys are saying, um, it sort of falls into that uh, trap of, you know, it, it gets lost in the shuffle of all these 
these shitty made-for-TV movies win. It's actually pretty, you know, pretty decent. Uh, doesn't get the credit I think it might deserve because it gets lost in the shuffle, but it makes sense when you sort of look who's who's behind it. Yeah, that's that's really wild. Yeah, and it was directed by the Spawn guy. Not that that helps its case a whole lot, but <laughs> that, that would damage the hell out of its case. <laughs> spawn the Spawn the movie. Yeah. Oh, that explains the CGI. Mike, well, it's directed by it doesn't mean it was the same effects outfit. <laughs> Man, Michael <laughs> Jai, not to go too far off the topic, but Michael Jai White really deserved to be in a better movie than the Spawn movie that we got, didn't he? Because he's fucking awesome. And that yeah. movie sucks ass. <laughs> so bad. So bad. Okay. Yeah, I, yeah, I remember when I went to go see Spawn, me and a buddy... And we were late getting to the theater, and it was opening weekend, and we they still sold us tickets even though there wasn't a single seat in the house, and we stood and watched the fucking movie in the theater. Wow. Yeah, that's bullshit. I cannot even imagine how Spawn managed to draw standing room only crowds. I know, right? It's weird. It was a different time. I liked it. <laughs> of course suck. you did. I mean, I, I, I like the animated series a lot more, but... The oh HBO yeah, show, but, animated series. Is... But that guy, I mean, I, man, I, I bought the first issue. I had all of them for years, and then the yeah. show, the, the cartoon. So I was, I was in it. You know, I wasn't gonna let just because it was bad not be let ruin well, what, for me. But what do you guys, what do you guys think of uh, Blumhouse producing a new movie with Todd McFarlane directing? I, I'm for it all the way. Yeah, we'll for, see. I mean, I have, I have never been a faith in Blumhouse, but I have no faith in Todd McFarlane. <laughs> Blum. Plum like plum. Damn it! I mean, Todd McFarlane can't even make a toy that stands up on its own. How is he going to make a movie? <laughs> yeah, I know, right? He'll have a lot of help. Yeah, <laughs> I'm pretty sure Spawn will have like 40 foot long capes that like flutter through the whole movie because that seems to be his art style. Oh my gosh! And no articulation. Yeah. <clears throat> oh my god! I saw, I've never been a Mc, I've never been a Todd McFarlane fan. I always thought his artwork was highly overrated, and never really found him to be that creative of a person. So, and I I bought those early Spawn books too, and I just never really thought there was much there to warrant a movie in the first place. But we'll see. But the HBO show was awesome. Yeah, the cartoon show was awesome. Yeah. That was a far better representation. Not just because Keith David was the voice, but that sure helps, right? It always helps. Right? Always <laughs> I'd probably watch what My Little Pony if Keith David did a voice. What island do you think Spawn would go to? <laughs> <laughs> Why do you put me on a spot like that? <laughs> oh, okay. <Dick> move. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, uh, Jason, what about you? What, here's uh, here's the thing. Uh oh. So, as everyone might have gathered, listening, Mike makes up these lists for us to watch from. Jesus, pulled back the curtain. Just a little. Well, they know, but uh, <laughs> I think I've said it on every. Yeah, episode. and so I st- I pulled up I pulled up the movie. Frank and Fish, and I'm like out loud. I was like, no fucking way. <laughs> and then I'm like, 
then like an hour went by, and I was like, ah, shit. let me watch the trailer. So I watched the trailer, and I was like, out loud, no fucking way. Because <laughs> that looked even worse to me. And I'm just, and so like, I'm start, in my brain, I'm like, well, that, well, Mike makes these lists, and he always throws in that one to get Terry pissed off. And like, maybe this is the one, because this can't be. So I didn't watch it, because I'm like, this is, I'm going to waste my fucking time, and I can't, I can't lose this two hours on Frankenfish. I can't. So now you're like, well, man, everyone likes it. And now it, and everyone like likes it. And now, <laughs> now, I'm, oh, so I, now I almost feel bad. That was good. If, so, if I had come out ahead of time and said it was good, would you maybe have listened then? Yes. No. When, oh, yeah, when you do it, that doesn't really help, buddy. I'm sorry. That, make, that makes I... me question it even more. I'm sorry. There's the reaction I was looking for. Yeah. yeah. Uh, but, but to be honest, when you do talk about movies, it does. And most of the time it gets me excited. I'm like, because... The list is long, and I'll be I'll be like I don't know I gotta start somewhere and I'll see what Brian said, you know. And I'm like oh, but if he likes you know this, the I'm kinds gonna... of things I get excited about. I know, but that still makes me want to watch it, if only to sh- <laughs> to share that but, with you. And the, right? well, and that's the thing. Brian definitely has a way of taking like something really shitty he, and making it sound awesome. Yeah, so. yeah. You should be a salesman. <laughs> I tried that a couple different times. It didn't work out so well because what I was selling wasn't something I cared about. If I could be a shitty movie salesman, <laughs> I'd be the top. Well, of the we got team, a movie man. studio for you, buddy. Yeah, right? Oh, that's why I always say the character I identify most with in Ed Wood is George Weiss. <laughs> Have you got a script? Fuck no. We got a poster, and it opens in nine weeks. <laughs> <laughs> yep. The uh, the fish in this movie, by the way, are snakeheads. Yeah. Which were a fish that was imported from Asia and turned out to be a really opportunistic predator that destroys the shit out of any ecosystem it comes into because they're very adaptable. They eat anything. They grow really big, so they don't have a whole lot of natural predators, and they breed like motherfuckers. Um, and there were a wave of snakehead movies around the time Frankenfish came out. The other one that springs immediately to mind is the Snakehead Terror, which was much more your typical, entirely bullshit CGI sci-fi channel movie. Uh-huh. So there's that. <laughs> yeah, so Jason, just watch it. Yeah. No, I mean, watch Frankenfish. Don't watch Snake oh, yeah, Frank- Terror. Oh, yeah. Snake and Terror isn't very good. <laughs> and that one's on Shutter, right? If people want to watch it. Frankenfish? Yes. yes, it's on Shutter. Yeah. yeah. All right, Brian. Movie. Oh, that you okay. Talk about. Movie. How about? Did anyone watch Blood Tide? Yep. Jason did. I know you did. Yes. Yeah. That's fucked, right? It's. It's a lot of fun. I really like this movie. It was uh, directed, in, or excuse me, it was uh, made in 1982, directed by Richard Jeffries, and co-written by Jeffries and a guy named Nico Masterakis, who Mike will know as the guy who made Island of Death. Uh-huh. Yeah. Um, and it was also co-produced by Brian Trenchard Smith. Did Turkey Shoot, Stunt Rock, oh, okay. Dead End Drive-In. Basically... Most of the Ozploitation movies with the wackiest stunts uh, done by certifiable fucking madman Grant Page. 
Um, so yeah, and he was also listed as creative consultant. I don't know what that means. There weren't a lot of stunts in this movie, but uh, the big selling point is it stars James Earl Jones. Now, having come out in 1982, this was between Empire and Jedi, so he was and uh, right after Conan the Barbarian. So you know he was a name. Yeah, people knew who James Earl Jones was at that point, and he could probably command a pretty good wage. So I'm guessing how this turned out is I'm between doing voice work on these Star Wars movies and these people are going to give me a two-month free vacation to Greece <laughs> and make a house payment for me. So, yeah, let's do that. Um, it also stars Martin Cove, who is sort of a uh, poor man's Kmart version of Reb Brown, if you can conceive of such a thing, <laughs> and veteran character actor and father of Mel Ferrer, Jose Ferrer. And we'll come back to Mel Ferrer a little later in the night, I think. Uh-huh, um, yep. But uh, Martin Cove plays a guy named Neil, and he and his fiance Sherry have come to this small Greek island looking for his sister, Madeline. Uh, she was an art student and came to this island and just kind of stopped contacting people. So um, they've come looking for her, and they meet Fry, who's uh, the James Earl Jones character. He's a failed Shakespearean actor turned treasure hunter and he's always quoting Othello and he's always drunk uh, it's, <laughs> those are like his two main <laughs> characters lots of gravitas lots of Shakespeare quotes and thoroughly inebriated and he's there because he's convinced that there used to be a temple on the island that has since sunk into the sea taking all the golden artifacts inside along with it and he discovers one of the temple walls in an underwater cave in a cove near the island and he blows the wall open with dynamite, but the explosion causes a cave-in, and he has to get out of there before he goes in to look for the treasure. Except what's inside that wall is not gold, it's an ancient demonic monster who used to live on virgin sacrifices supplied to it by the natives of the island. Uh, And he hasn't been fed for a very long time. (laughs) So he's rather hungry. Uh, Madeline is still on the island, and she's going through... um, these religious icons that uh, trying to restore them that she's found in this monastery that is kind of a front for the extant cult that used to worship this creature and so as she's peeling the layers off these paintings you know she'll take one layer off and underneath will be an older painting and take another layer off and an older painting yet and the nuns keep telling her like no these paintings can't be older than Christ it's impossible there was no religions before Jesus just shut up and take communion and she doesn't listen and keeps digging, and sure enough, one of the, uh, the the oldest of the icons that she uncovers is of this creature that kind of has a psychic hold on her. Once uh, Fry lets it out in that explosion, she starts going into these weird trances and, and kind of heads down into the, the cavern to sacrifice herself to the thing. And uh, Fry winds up killing it and saving her not before it bites his junk off probably the least dignified moment James Earl Jones ever had in a movie <laughs> yeah y'all should go out and see Blood Tide it's awesome and this is one of those movies if if you own any of those Mill Creek <laughs> 50 movie box sets there's a better than 50-50 chance you own it it's, it's one of those things that's been in the public domain forever I picked it up on VHS at a rental store years ago because, oh, James Earl Jones and a monster, cool. And then it turned out to actually be good. 
because I genuinely think this movie is really good. It's it's very atmospheric. Um, it's well photographed. You know, the acting is good. Of course it is. It's got fucking James Earl Jones in it. <laughs> and the monster, you don't see very much of it. They very much play the alien card in this, of the less you see, the more your mind takes over kind of thing. So you only get these little glimpses of it, but what you do see is pretty cool. Awesome. Any thoughts on that, Jason? Yeah, I, I, I thought it was good too. I just, I just, well, one, like, do you think that was like James Earl Jones's like requirement to be in the movie if he got to just be drunk and get to <laughs> talk like, yeah. But uh, and then I just, you know, I just, it, it got a little confusing at the last half. I don't know, just a lot of details in the mythos of things. And that is just kind of something, and Mike can probably attest to this too, that you run into in a lot of this uh, this vintage of European horror movies is they'll just kind of do an expo dump at the end. Yeah. <laughs> or, or, they'll, or, either, or they'll drop little hints throughout the movie that never quite pay off, and they just kind of leave things for you to put together. And you know, sometimes it can feel like lazy writing, and sometimes it can just feel like you're not supposed to know it. It's it's kind of a mystery, and this one feels more like that to me. It doesn't come off as they didn't bother finishing the script or whatever. It's just yeah, I don't know. It's it's kind of a nice little. I felt know, like leave, they leave knew like what they were. Thinking. I I felt like they knew, but I just yeah. didn't. <laughs> I I couldn't follow it all the way. I didn't have it all, but. Yeah, this, and I mentioned this one on Facebook while I was watching it, and a friend of mine and a fellow Monster fan commented that he had it on one of these sets and you know knew about it, but he never watched it because he thought it was just a Jaws knockoff, which I could, you know, from a description of it, if no one said anything about demonic Greek gill man, it was just, you know, right. if it was just people dying in the water, you'd think, <laughs> okay, whatever, it's a shark movie, because yeah. you know, around this time, there were a shit ton of Jaws ripoffs coming out. Um, but I think they may have known that people were going to think that, or or they kind of took a little shot at Jaws in the movie, because there's a point after, um, I think it's after Fry's girlfriend gets eaten by the thing, and Jose Ferrer is like the village headman, and he and some of the other villagers are, you know, they, they know the history of the island and the history of this cult and this creature, and you know they, they're kind of suspecting that it's back on the prowl again and they try to blame its victims on shark attacks and fry kind of pulls a, a 180 on the hooper thing of this was no boating accident you know they're saying oh sharks oh, yeah. killed these girls and he goes this was no shark attack there aren't any sharks in these waters yeah nice. yeah i remember that <laughs> <clears throat> nice nice yeah i'll have to so check just, just me and jason caught this one then Afraid so, I missed it. Yeah, you'll enjoy it, Mike. Yeah. You'll like it. And it doesn't sound like you hated it, Jason. No. No, I liked... I just... I watched it right after watching uh, uh, Death Ship. Ah, Death Ship. (laughs) So, like, it was... And I liked that one a lot better. Fucking love Death Ship. really? Yeah. I... I, What I remember... No, you I like yeah. Way better than this one. I did. Oh. 
<laughs> I know, right? You think you know somebody, and then <laughs> hey. I, you you don't like Death Ship, Brian? From your I will say or? I well I, I've yeah I've got some history with that movie. <laughs> <laughs> okay, a lot of history on that. Well, well we can get into it since Jason brought yeah, it up. Yeah, segue. What's that? Segue. Yeah, that's how you do it. That's how it's done, son. Do you want to describe Death no. Ship? I didn't think so. I don't Damn do it. that. Um, I don't know if I can. Um, it's a like ghost ship that possesses. Um, You're doing good. The guy from the Naked Gun movies and oh. George Kennedy. George Kennedy. <laughs> yeah, George Kennedy and like. Yeah. So, so what's your history with this, Brian? I can't. I can't. Say. <laughs> well, it's- do you want me to describe it a little bit first for the, the people who haven't yeah. seen it? Which is probably most people at this point. I actually, okay, believe it or not, I, well, not believe it or not, it's not that surprising. I have a theatrical one sheet for Death Ship because the poster of it is badass. It is. It is a cool poster, yeah. Yeah. Um, it was, I think that was actually the first thing I ever bought off eBay. But anyway, um, this George Kennedy is a cruise ship captain, and his second command is Richard Crenna. So, I mean, it's got a pretty solid cast. There's another guy in it, too, who's a... Uh, God, I can't think of his name, because I didn't take notes for this one. But um, somebody would recognize if you saw him. Anyway, um, he's a cruise ship captain. He's on his last cruise. He's just... <laughs> he's visibly just hates everything. <laughs> like, he's just a shitty, bitter, ornery old bastard. Kind of like me, so maybe I identify with his <laughs> character a little bit. I don't know. And... Uh, this ghost ship out of nowhere, seemingly out of another time zone, because as they're cutting between his cruise ship and the the ghost ship coming at them, it's cutting between, like, one of them is in broad daylight and one of them is in, like, pitch black in the middle of the night. Yeah, they didn't do a good job but, on but the continuity. Collide, yeah. you know. So this ship rams his cruise ship, sinks the whole shebang, only a few people get out alive on the life rafts, and they find this this death ship and uh, climb aboard and discover that it's abandoned which seems a little weird but they figure well it's better than dying of thirst in the middle of the ocean let's see what we can find on this ship and maybe get back to shore it turns out that it is the uh, ghost hulk of a Nazi transport ship that was used to carry Jewish prisoners and uh, the ghosts of the Nazis are still pirating pirating (laughs) excuse me that was a odd Freudian slip, wasn't it? Arr. Piloting. Arr. Piloting the ship, and they possess George Kennedy's character and make him go crazy and try to kill everyone else. And uh, at the end of the movie, the Nazis win, because the ship's still out there with him as their captain. So, Heck of a story. Yeah. <laughs> um, so, yeah, th- this is just one... I, not so much a, a deep personal history, just that back in the very first movie review site that my friends and I ever started back in high school, this was one of the first movies we ever rented to watch to review for it. It was, you know, made, made the rounds at our movie nights, and we all just hated it because it's slow and kind of dumb, and not a whole lot happens in it. Yeah, and so it's just had this reputation of like it's garbage with a cool poster, <laughs> and. But I did. I had been meaning to see this one again for a long time, so I did revisit this one on YouTube for the episode. And you know what? I kind of came around on it a little bit. I like this flick. Nice. 
there's some cool direction. There's some neat camera, work, like almost mm-hmm. Sam Raimi-ish camera work on it, where yeah. like the camera goes upside down and follows people along the decks and Weird, stuff. Weird, right? Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, yay, Death Ship. Yeah, I liked it too. Um, but as soon as we started talking about it, I like cannot remember a damn thing of this movie. And I've seen it a couple times. Like I've never seen it before until this year, and I've watched it a couple times this year. And I can't remember anything about it now. Jason, I, you liked it? I did. I just... Well, I was going to pick on the funny things about it. We're like... The, <clears throat> the original cruise, it's like... We meet... There's this just... We meet the randomest characters on this original ship... And it's like, you know, a couple kids, this old guy, this guy, this guy. All like they're the only people we meet as an audience out of all these people on this cruise. And it's just hilarious that they are the only people who all weirdly get onto this life raft. Well, yeah, it's their like, story though. Right. You know, you But there like- are no other Oh, meaning extras like, or meaning anything. There's like just nobody it's, it's else. So right? okay. ra- I just I'm like, it was so random, and then they were all those characters only on the right. Anyway, it it's it stood out to me like more than sure. Hey, these are this. Their I mean, stories. this is a this is a, a fun movie to make fun of by oh yeah all means yeah that's what I love about it. But what else? Mm. Oh, I, you know they just reuse a lot of shots of you know that the thing I, i'm doing a hand gesture and you can't see it <laughs> but the like I don't, I don't know what the fuck that thing is with the lever and the yeah. circle gizmos and machines yeah watching the ship stuff, yeah. navigate itself yeah. all day there's a lot of that Coats. i don't know i liked it i thought okay. it was fun I, I didn't hate it i didn't hate it ted didn't hate it cool i thought like you were saying some of the stuff um like there's a there's a scene where the life boats on the sides like are slowly lower themselves into the water and it's supposed to be like scary because the boat's doing it on its own but it's like they go so slowly down yeah. into the water <laughs> they, they gently put them down it's like why didn't someone just fucking reach out and grab it like it's, uh, it it couldn't have been more slow and awkward it's like oh no there they go the lifeboats oh no like, <laughs> You know, the thing is haunted. Oh God! It's. I mean, it's. It's really. Uh, for some weird reason, I sort of got like a uh, Jason takes Manhattan vibe from it, just because it's like a group of stereotypes on a boat. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and they're getting killed off one by one, but uh, the boat is Jason instead of you know uh, Jason being Jason. Right. Yeah. And then, and then it sort of goes crazy at the end. You know, when you, you starting to see the. the uh, the Nazi sides of things, but um, yeah, it was it was interesting. It kept my attention, and and some of the kills were fun. Yeah, yeah. Glad they, they did the the um, you know the um, necessary like blood shower scene with with the naked full frontal yeah. woman getting stuck in a shower with so, her uh, boyfriend trying to break the glass and. Yeah, for some reason that's the only scene I do remember. Oh yeah, uh-huh. it's weird. It's weird how that happens. I'm glad you brought up Jason Takes Manhattan because that almost I almost put that on the list. Because you didn't want to have to watch it again. Because unlike Cape Fear, 
Ugh. Unlike Cape Fear, most of the fucking movie of Jason Takes Manhattan takes place on the boat. Yeah. Not in Manhattan. Hey, he gets there and takes it. <laughs> like in a biblical sense? <laughs> <laughs> like he steals it? Terry, did you watch Death Ship? No. Aww. Well, that's too bad. It's the ship that deaths people. Yeah, what? <laughs> death ship, the ship that deaths. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, like deathbed. They all got it. Any yeah, movie got that it, starts. <laughs> it has a pretty awesome poster with the uh, boat with like the skeleton face on the front. It looks a little more promising on the poster, but I mean that's that's what yeah. posters are supposed to do from the '80s, especially. Yeah, that poster's awesome. Yeah, that's a better monster boat poster than the ghost ship poster. Yes, it is. Yeah. So, which is just a lame ripoff of the Death Ship poster, which is yeah, it's just like the movie is a lame ripoff of Death Ship. Yeah. 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 Which. What. No, good. No, well, we, I was just gonna be like, so, and then we talk about that one, <laughs> but it wasn't on the list. Uh, and I, all, I, I was when I was struggling to come up with a list. I was like, oh, I really don't want to have to put it on there because I will, I'll watch it for the first five minutes and turn it off because that opening scene's yeah. cool. Yeah, opening scene's good. Yeah. Okay, so, Dad, uh, what, uh, what movie do you want to talk about? Oh, um, let's go with, um, Dead Calm. Let's go for that one. Sweet, okay. Did everybody watch that one? I sure did. No, that was the one that I didn't. I actually sort of was looking at these. I knew I wasn't going to get to all of them, so, um, I was sort of reading about each one and seeing which ones I would want to try to attempt, and this one sort of stood out from the group. It was just so different from the rest of them, and and it actually had, you know, pretty good reviews. Uh, so that was one of the first ones I watched. I really did enjoy it. Yeah, it was it was a really good film, and like I debated on putting it on the list because I think we were kind of you know hoping for more like sea monster type of attacks on boats and stuff, and and also I know if I put this on the list, somebody would say the th word on this episode, which would. Uh, um, pissed me off. So, uh, but when I saw George Miller's name attached to it, I'm like, okay, yeah, I've got to watch this. So I totally put it on the list. And I could have sworn when I was doing research, I could have sworn it said that he directed it. But then when I sat down and watched the movie, he was just a producer on it. So, so yeah, so Dead Calm. Um, it's it's with uh, Sam Neill and Nicole Kidman. Billy Zane. Uh, and Billy Zane. So, and that's pretty much it. Um, yeah, except for the opening scene, it's just a three-person cast. Oh my god, that opening scene! Oh my gosh! Holy fuck! I can't believe they <laughs> showed that with the kid. The kid going through the windshield. Fuck! Yeah. Oh my god! That's a good way. Good way to kick it off. No <laughs> shit! Oh my god! I couldn't believe they showed that. Well, but then if we're gonna start there, let me just be like, what is why? What is any of that opening? It doesn't really come back in this story of things. The, it sets up this. It sets up a reason for him to get away. But sets like, up a reason for him to get away. It was a huge part of the story, and like, and then you could almost argue that like, 
this movie is her movie, Nicole Kidman's yep. movie, more than Sam Neill totally. or Billy Zane. Absolutely. Because she's got the biggest arc in this movie. And so she's got to overcome the fact that she is scared of the world now, basically. Sure. And and she's forced to overcome it by taking on Billy Zane. You could say that, but it still sure. feels a little. The it the beginning like they... is too padded for that for just for that yeah for that arc. Well, and setting up the pills that was the only other thing because the the pills yeah. come into play when she drugs Billy Zane too. Right, and I think that a big part of the 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 story was kind of to. I mean, they don't really come right out and say it. It's pretty subtle, but. That's like her new way of battling her depression and everything. Because she stops using the sedatives. Mm-hmm. Like she doesn't need them anymore. Yep. Yeah, totally. So, yeah. So, anyway. So, it's Nicole Kim and Sam Neill. Um, she was in a car accident. And um, uh, their son died in the car accident. So, to kind of help her they to, for a getaway, they just, the two of them just go sailing. Um, and they just they just go out on the ocean, um, and just total isolation out there on the ocean. When they see a boat, um, um, a schooner. Schooner. No, it's not a schooner. It's a sailboat. Um, <laughs> off in the distance, and it looks like there's trouble. There's trouble, but they don't see anybody on it. And then they see this guy on a rowboat rowing towards them, and it's Billy Zane. And something's not quite right with Billy Zane, and so. And Sam Neill, I mean, he's he's a Navy man, so he's got a lot of sea training and whatnot, and he is extremely suspicious of Billy Zane, so he wants to go investigate the, the, the sailboat. And Billy Zane's like, no, 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 you don't want to go there, you know, there's no need to go there. So they get Billy Zane to lay down and go to sleep, and they lock him in the room so that Sam Neill can take off and go find out what's going on. And there's obviously things are not on the up and up when Sam Neil gets to the uh, to the sailboat, and Billy Zane gets out of the room, realizes what Sam Neil has done, so he basically kidnaps Nicole Kidman and takes off with their boat, leaving Sam Neil stranded on this now sinking sailboat. And so there's kind of two stories going on with Sam Neil trying to get back to his wife. And trying to uh, survive on this sinking sailboat, and Nicole Kidman, Nicole Kidman trying to survive this like crazy maniac who's probably gonna kill her. Probably, probably. But you don't <laughs> know. That's See, what's so fun about him is like. Yeah, you you don't really know his full story. You never learn everything. What happened? Or, well, I mean, real. Yeah. You just know he's crazy. He's yeah. a little. He's he's crazy. What 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 is great though? They never come out and give you exposition about exactly what happened. Yeah, but they I give like you these that. they give you these clues throughout the whole thing that you can piece together yourself. It starts with like the uh, the passports and the and the uh, the boat's journal, and then when he gets to the boat, when he finds you know these women dead bodies naked, and then then there's the TV there's the TV footage of them partying and filming stuff, and so. <clears throat> so you kind of just got to piece it together yourself. And Billy Zane's performance is rather odd, I thought, yeah. for some crazed maniac character. Because he's perfectly nice sometimes. That's sometimes he's perfectly nice. Right? But what I found weird is just how vulnerable his character per- oh, was, yeah. was in the first he's, half of the movie. He's a sensitive maniac. Just like shaken and scared and like when, like truly not 
he doesn't make an evil turn. He's truly terrified at the idea of Sam Neill discovering what happened on that boat. <laughs> so his motives isn't like, I mean, it's still evil, but it's not based on, you know, pure evil te- intentions. It's just he's scared of getting caught. Yeah. But it's yeah. yeah, it's good, Terry. Sorry. I was just say I I really like this one. I, I'm a big fan of isolation horror movies, which this definitely is. It's Me just too. in a little bit different setting than I'm used to watching, I guess. <laughs> and they were really going for that isolation um, feeling too, because yeah, they're on a boat. The there's no. <laughs> <laughs> when they're on where when they're on the deck it's just the two of them in the first act there and they're just hanging out you don't get any other audio just for the for them to talk yeah there's no that was one of the things i liked a lot is that there's just yeah it's just, well it's dead calm Ooh, <laughs> i get it now aside from just them yeah it's very noticeable in certain parts, for sure. Yeah, that was my first. That was the first thing I picked up on in watching this movie. You know, so, so, and obviously, you know, it's shot on a real boat on real water and stuff. So their dialogue is blatantly ADR'd, but it's not in the in the uh, fact that it, it comes off as as bad. It's just obviously that's ADR'd because they strip all other audio out of the environment. You don't get like splashing water or seagulls or whatever other kind of noise there would be. You know, boat the, you know, boat motor or whatever. So it's just really, really quiet at the beginning of the movie. So. Yeah, like that. <laughs> that was an example. That was a yeah. scene from yes. Ted Kong. <laughs> <laughs> now I can't edit it out. Damn it. Because <laughs> every time we make fun of it and then I do edit it, it's like, why are they laughing there's nothing okay so so would you call it a thriller or a horror good question man you're doing this on purpose (laughs) you guys can answer it i know my answer it's the real answer it's a horror movie why because there's some scary moments in this movie a couple of jump moments scary is it because is it because the the maniac can talk and doesn't wear a mask that it doesn't mean it's horror anymore? That's my thing. Like it's thrillers. It's still a psychopath. So what's the difference between Billy Zane and and, and Michael Myers? Really? Uh, I don't. Billy think Zane that. isn't pure evil. Oh, or, Do, is. or is he? <laughs> we don't know. Yeah, <laughs> Billy Zane wore a mask in this movie. Then. If you were a fucking mess, they'd call it a horror movie, and no one would give a fuck. Is sorry that... to bring up a sore subject. I, I, we should move on from that. I'm, I'm sorry. Is there? <laughs> Don't be sorry. He needs to work this out. His demons. <laughs> um, is there... I thought the ending ending was pretty uh, abrupt and sort of crazy. It sort of had one of those things where you sort of feel it's over. I mean, they had oh, several. Yeah. Several of those, like, oh, it's over, and somehow he kept coming back, which is, which you could argue uh, is a horror movie, you know, right. stereotype. Oh, look at you! you know, he, the, the psychopath keeps coming back, but um, the way he finally was taken out was holy little, fuck! It was insane. Yeah. Yeah. That was yeah. awesome. It was awesome. <laughs> it was just out of nowhere in comparison to the rest of the movie. It was like yeah. nothing else in the movie. Yeah. 
And kudos to Sam Neill's. Uh, that's, a, that's a good shot. Yeah, that that was a good, good shot. shot. <laughs> Through the, the sail. But yeah, fuck, man, that was awesome. It was, it was huge. <laughs> yeah. Well, that's how you put an exclamation on your movie for sure. That's yeah. Just like, let's just keep it here for ninety minutes, and then bro, make his fucking head explode with flares. <laughs> yeah. Was there enough? Was there wasn't really a body count, sort of. Was there blood enough blood and gore for you? They or? killed the puppy. Oh, yeah, man. that was that was tough killing the puppy. I thought they. But said- to be fair, the dog like kept blowing her cover every time she tried sneaking out. He would bark. It's like true. Just, come shut the fuck up, dog. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, he was he was kind of a, a dick in that respect. Yeah. So. <laughs> What do you do with a dog when you're out that far? I mean, do you, how do you, how does the dog go to the bathroom? I'm just throwing that out there. Oh my God, you're right. <laughs> just jumps overboard, pees, and then gets back in. He does, know. he does jump over and, and go, goes and gets the keys. That was yeah. sort of a, a funny scene where she hilarious. tries to throw the yeah. keys away and he goes Sick and move. <laughs> I mean, it, yeah, the dog was a really good device for the, uh, that, for Nicole Kinman to, you know, seemed like she's starting to get the upper hand and then it falls apart on her, thanks to the dog. And it's all set up ahead of time, too. Like, mm-hmm. they throw the ball in the water and the dog goes and gets it. And the dog's death scene was kind of set up, too, because you, you see early on in a very, I thought, kind of a funny moment where you see the dog reach its paw up and open the door. Oh, <laughs> uh, yeah. <laughs> that was... That was weird. Now that I remember that, <laughs> why did that happen? <laughs> so yeah, yeah. <laughs> I had blocked that out of my memory, I guess. Oh, I didn't. That was my favorite part. <laughs> <laughs> when animals act like humans, this guy laughs like nothing else. Always, always. Homeward Bound is his favorite movie. Oh man. Oh, you don't even know. <laughs> the only thing that keeps that movie from being perfect is they weren't wearing outfits. Yeah, <laughs> animals in human clothes is one of his main comedy requirements. Oh uh, yeah, that's comedy one hundred and one. Animal in human clothing. <laughs> put put a dog in a chef hat, and you're it's comedy gold. So this this movie was like one mask away from being a horror, but one like dog shirt being away from being a comedy. <laughs> <laughs> the fine line of filmmaking, right there. Yep. <laughs> very true very true <laughs> yeah so yeah definitely a recommend definitely recommend and yeah and you want to talk about a movie that takes place on a goddamn boat it's a whole boat you never see you don't you never see well except for you know at the beginning again but once they're out in the water you never see land again uh-uh. and it's just beautifully shot too it's just it kind of made me want to go out on the ocean. Well, some of the scenes, like when Sam Neill is caught under the water, he's breathing through the pipe. Like oh, fuck. that, to me, as somebody who does not like water, that those kind of scenes always like get me very nervous. Uh, my anxiety oh, yeah. goes up watching them. Yeah. Uh, so, like, yeah. Uh, even even I can't even imagine. I know he's like on a set, but it's like even shooting something like that would oh, be fuck. terrifying to me. Agreed. I think drowning is one of the worst deaths imaginable. I agree. I would rather be on the boat with Billy Zane. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh-huh. 
And if you're not sold on this movie, you do get to see Nicole Kidman naked. So there see, you go. I knew it was a matter of time before yeah. Insane Mike would. They did still really didn't show much. Uh, she was completely naked. I don't remember seeing a nipple. I'm just saying. What? Are you kidding? I don't remember seeing it was a nipple. Right yeah, no, there Whatever. was a boob. Right. boob. I guess I'll have to watch it again. Uh-oh. <laughs> frame by frame. <laughs> so yeah, highly recommended. Dead calm. And that one was on Hulu, if it still is when people listen to this, but... Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Just trying to make it easier for them to find them. That's good. I you like know? you saying yeah. that. Yeah. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> good job. She gets sponsorships for from all these things. <laughs> Hell, yeah. <clears throat> Jason, did you pick a movie yet? Nope. Yes. Um, well, yeah, but then you the made me talk about it, death. so that doesn't count. <laughs> the ship, the ship that deaths. Oh, okay. Brian, did you pick a movie yet? Yeah, Blood Tide. Oh, yours yeah. is Blood Tide. Your turn. It's your turn, Mike. It's my turn. Yeah, call on yourself. Fuck's sake. Um, what do I want to do? Call on yourself. Um. Oh, fuck it. We'll just go with Creature from the Black Lagoon. God damn right. Yeah. Gosh dang it. Yeah. I know Jason just recently watched it. I Yeah, last night. Walk in on him, Whoa. and then I caught him watching the movie. Uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> from his sweet-ass Blu-ray Universal oh Monsters box Oh, my God, set. it looks so good. Oh. It looks so good. Have you been able to see it in 3D? No. Uh... I watched it in 3D probably like two months ago on a fr- at a friend's house. He has you know a 3D projector and a huge screen in his basement, and it was like I couldn't even really pay attention to what was happening just because I kept like freaking out that they were coming at me. <laughs> nice. It's like oh, it was wow. almost distracting, but it was so it was so awesome. See, it's very it is amazing how clear and nice it looks compared to something like uh, Friday the Thirteenth Three. You know, I mean, obviously it's a different kind of 3D, but it's just like yeah. to think how old this movie is and how yeah. gorgeous they can make it look it's just awesome well the thing is always i've always wondered about um the 3d aspect of creature from the black lagoon like this thing has been like has has been shown on on tv in 3d and then dating all the way back in the day with the red and blue glasses in 3d but Brian, maybe you can help me on this. I don't think this movie was originally intended to be in 3D, was it? Oh, it absolutely it was. was. They, oh, it uh, was. They, they, they shot it, but it, originally it was not the shitty blue and green no. or the red and blue 3D. Like the stuff that's shown on TV would have been a 2D print of the movie that just had that garbage, like cheapo 80s technology 3D splattered over the top of it. Um. The original 3D would oh what is it anaglyphic I think uh, oh, I god remember. I can't I can't remember exactly the term for it I should have <coughs> this information in front of me but no it was shot in a with this in fact if I remember correctly they built a special underwater camera rig to be able to shoot that underwater stuff in 3D but it's the kind of 3D that you get today if you see a properly shot in 3D movie and not a converted one but it's you know where you go and they just give you those polarized lenses where, okay. like, when you go to the 3D movie in the theater and it looks like they're giving you sunglasses. 
that's mm-hmm. the kind that's the kind of 3D creature was originally. Yep. So it was that full depth immersion 3D and you, you, by all accounts it looked awesome. So the the one that's on that Blu-ray set is the real proper 3D version of it that gives the whole thing depth and isn't just a, oh, we're sticking stuff into the screen. And, of course, they do that a little bit because it was still a gimmick. But yeah. those, those felt, are big. Hmm? I was going to say, I felt like uh, having it in black and white makes, uh, I don't know, made it feel so, even deeper than, like, you know, modern movies that I watched in 3D. Something about it uh, just was absolutely crazy. Like, the whole time I was, you know, we were sitting, I was sitting next to a friend, I'm like, you know, that's crazy. We kept we like out loud explaining like whoa whoa you know it was like watching it um, a whole different way. I don't know. It, it just was like mind blowing when we watched it in 3D. Yeah, when my current TV takes a shit, I'm gonna get a 3D one just so I can watch my creature Blu-ray in 3D. Yeah. yeah. Well, and Creature from the Black Lagoon is hand hands down my all time favorite of the Universal monsters, and my favorite Universal monster movie. I've always been a huge creature fan, um, mostly because like when it comes to, for me and monsters and whatnot, I just really love big, uh, big crazy designs. You know, you know Dracula. I mean, Belagosi's cool and all, but it's you know it's still just Belagosi in a in a cape for the most part. But the creature is full head to toe, you know, monster. You know, uh, with the gills that move and the, the mouth like a like a fish out of water, and so watching the Blu-ray, Jason, does the suit still hold up really strong? I think so. Yeah, it couldn't see like flaws or you know. Not really in the suit. Only if I were to critique it, the only things that really jumped out was some of the underwater shots of him lurking behind bushes and stuff. The eyes, eyes were different. The eyes, eyes were, were different in those suits. Kind of empty yeah. sockets, like. But fuck it, look good. Well, you know, or, yeah, nothing that you wouldn't have seen before, like the hand on the beach, one take, just a uh, little pinky claws, a little flimsy, yeah. you know. But nothing. The, the suit looks fucking awesome. Yeah, and it, it's still 1954. The suit looks awesome. It's one of my favorite monster designs of all time, and the suit to this day still holds up, man. Even on Blu-ray. Yeah, it's it's still one of the most effective practical monster suits ever made for any movie. It's one of those things like when the CG in Jurassic Park is good, it's still better than anything that came after it. Yeah. And the the creature suit, you know, such a so far back in the history of monster suits still I don't think has ever been topped. Totally agree. Totally agree. And a great example of the glass ceiling in Hollywood, too, because it's credited to a guy named Bud Westmore, but it was actually designed by a woman named Millicent Patrick. Mm. And I like the whole whole franchise. I mean... All three of them? All three of them. Now, the, the creature look after the plastic surgery in Creature Walks Among Us, you know, doesn't really hold up for me. And... You know, and then just my overall love for the creature, I hate seeing that happen to him, especially considering it was the last of the series, so it kind of felt like this was the final end of the creature, and that this is what they did to him. Um, 
but I get I really like the story in that one. I I think um, I really get what they were trying to say with that one. And like with all the Universal monster monsters, they're all sympathetic characters. They weren't embodiments of pure evil or anything like that. They were, you know, more sympathetic than anything else. So Wolfman, Frankenstein's monster. There are a herd of wildebeests. <laughs> yes. Oh. Um. You can hear Ted's typing. First, it's his chair. And now... I I moved to a different location, and now <laughs> my <laughs> microphone is just too sensitive. I should just turn it down, I guess. Oh, it's, it's, it's fun um. to pick on the new guy. <laughs> yeah, the uh, I. I see what you mean about the suit in Creature Walks Among Us, Mike, because it's yeah, yeah. You, you want to see the creature we know, but him looking like that is, as you say, it's part of the story. And yeah, that movie is so much better than, than Revenge of the Creature because there's some neat moments in Revenge of the Creature, but that movie oh, yeah. is fucking terrible. Whereas Creature Walks Among Us, like yeah, it, like you are sad at the end when mm -hmm. you know. I remember it, that movie was kind of hard to find. Uh, when I was a kid, because for I, the longest time you know, I, it was, I, yeah. I had, you know, the original for was the first one I saw, and then I, you know, found Revenge. There was like some reissue of Universal Monster movies where the cases kind of looked like they were made out of marble. So oh, I had yeah. that tape, mm -hmm. that and the Wolfman and a few others. But I could never, like, no one ever put out Creature Walks Among Us. But from those, uh, was it the Westinghouse, the orange books. Do we all remember oh, yeah. from our school libraries as kids? Uh -huh. There was a creature from the Black Lagoon one, and it talked about that and how the creature finally died and what happened. So I was like, oh, my God, I have to see this. And so I didn't see it until they put out those Legacy Collection DVD sets, you know, 10, 15 years ago. And damn, that last movie is, it packs a punch to it me. Because anyway, much like you, the creature is my favorite universal monster. And, you know, it, it's hard to see him taken down like that. And yeah, yeah, it's <laughs> it's a sad movie. Very sad it's movie. It's a really, really good movie. Mm hmm Absolutely. It's always a bummer that they didn't do more with the series after that. But yeah, I mean you know, he he's definitely dead at the end of that one, so Or is he? You don't know. <laughs> you don't oh, know. there there could always Son be of the Creature. One. Right. There there could be more of them. Yeah, they made more King Kong movies and that that fucker was dead <laughs> at the end, so why couldn't they um, now here, I'm going to say something controversial, just to oh. stir th some things up here a little bit. As, as long as it's not anything against Richard Carlson, because I will fight you. Depends. <laughs> Who's Richard Carlson? <laughs> the main human character, oh, creature okay. from Black Lagoon, the hero, David. Oh, okay, oh, okay, no, cool, 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 okay. Uh, my one complaint about Creature from the Black Lagoon is I after seeing it all, so many times over the years, I don't like the score. Be more specific. Mostly the creature theme that plays like 10,000 times throughout the movie. Just that... Da, 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 you know, that whole thing. And then well, plays 10,000 times. <laughs> One more time. <laughs> da, da, da. Um... It'd be hard to take that for an hour and a half. Yeah, you're right. Yeah, and the thing is, is I'm a I'm a big person of um, comfort food movies. Oh, uh huh. Of oh, right. like, uh, you know, if I'm working on something else, I'll put a movie on in the background. And as much as I love the Creature from the Black Lagoon, I cannot put that movie on the background just because of the music. 
Now, does it is it specifically from this movie, or is that you got creature theme fatigue from it getting used in every other Universal monster movie throughout the entire 1950s, and then some <laughs> other movies besides? Um, I, well, maybe that might be but... the most catalog music reused score in movie history. Yeah, I I don't I, maybe all I know is, is I when I um on my you know crappy old DVD I don't have cool ass Blu-ray you know I'll put movies in at night to when I go to bed and one time I put in Creature in Black Lagoon and woke up in the middle of the night having a freaking anxiety attack because the fucking menu screen was that was that uh, creature theme rolling over and over and over again. <laughs> It's just really shrill, and uh, and just it's effective. It's effective, but not yeah. the most calming piece of music <laughs> ever. No. So that's it. That's the hey, only thing I got. Jason, do, do you have the uh, region one or the region free UK box that yeah. came in the in the coffin box? Awesome. Oh, not yeah. the coffin box. What's that? I want that. Oh yeah. There's, there's one, there's a region-free one from the UK. It's the same, like, the movies and everything are the same as the, the American version, but the box is shaped like a coffin, like a little mausoleum thing. Well, that is what I have. I you just thought, oh, I thought you meant, like, not square or rectangular. It, it's not rectangular. Oh, then no, it's, I don't. It's, it's shaped like a coffin. I'll send you a picture later. Son of a bitch. Got ripped <laughs> off. Oh, boo-hoo, you got the Blu-ray box set of Universal Monsters. <laughs> That's, That's true. That's pretty one. awesome. And it's so much cheaper than the American one. God damn it. That's the one I have, too. The mausoleum box or the American one? No, I, there's, I believe it's the same one Jason probably has. There's a um, region-free UK version that's not in a coffin. It's just a standard box. Yeah, oh, eight, I see. Okay. Eight films and, yeah. Yeah, and it was, like, dirt cheap. It was, like, 25 bucks or something. Yeah. Yep. Wait, and it fits it, on my shelves because it's not movies? a coffin. What? No, it's, it? it's the same discs and everything as uh, the U.S. version. It's just uh, region-free. Well, I yeah, eight movies. It's just the movies. It's not all the sequels, too? There's sequels to Frankenstein and oh, okay. some, but not all the... No, because that's I way mean, more than eight movies. Like... Universal gets rather whorish when it comes to these movies, you know? Like, about every year there's a different set to come out. I really oh, like... like... What's that? Hmm? I was I... just going to say, like, this year, their Best Buy is doing those Alex Ross covers. Oh, yeah. Oh, no shit? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh, I gotta check that gotta out. Gotta buy them all over again. Uh, but I, I like the ones that they did, the Legacy Collection ones, where it was, you know, each individual monster. Because each of those sets had, like, I think... Most of, if not all, of the sequels. Yeah, they did. Yeah, yeah, they put those out around Van Helsing, right? That was like they were. Yep. Yeah, that's right. That. So if anything good came out of that movie, it was those sets. <laughs> <laughs> yep, that'd be the only thing. Yeah. Yeah, that's right, and because I, I still have those sets too. I held on to them for all the sequels. So I, yeah. like you guys, probably have like four or five copies of all these movies <laughs> and various sets that are taking up way too much room but yeah now was that the last time that those that some of those sequels have seen a release no they've been putting out um the 
sort of new legacy collections on Blu-ray with the oh. sequels individually too. So now you can get like the Frankenstein collection on Blu-ray and you'll have to rebuy, you know, Bride and Frankenstein from the box set, but it also has, you know, Sun, uh, you know, Ghost. It has all the House and Frankenstein. It has uh, the sequels in there too, so you're double dipping again, but uh, depends on how much you want the sequels, I guess. Yeah, yeah. Okay, all right. I mean, I don't know. Some of the some of those sequels I enjoy more than the originals, you know. So, yeah, Son of Frankenstein is by orders of magnitude my favorite Frankenstein movie. <laughs> nice. Oh, I'm starting to get nostalgic for the days of staying up late on Saturday night watching Doctor Morbius on Channel Eight because that's all he would show is Universal movies, and so that's well, that was, that's all Sven Gulli shows now. So you can get that. Yeah. Get that back. Not, not necessarily, though, because um, a few weeks ago, oddly enough, after we recorded our um, automobile episode, Plane Chase and Automobile episode, he showed That's that. Right. He showed the car, and I was like, right. yeah. oh, I finally got to see it after we recorded, but I finally got to see it. <laughs> <clears throat> and then, what, what did he show last Saturday? I don't know, because that's irrelevant to our topic. So let's move on. It was it was the Night Monster with Bela Lugosi, I'm pretty sure. Oh, no, it was the Invisible Ray. Oh, that's right. Yeah. Well, it's another Bela Lugosi one. Yeah. Has anyone been to the, um, has have been to Universal Studios in Orlando and seen the, uh, like, Universal Monsters Cafe restaurant? I have. I was there in January. No. Yeah, I love that place. Uh. It's it's so I don't know atmospheric. They play the trailers all the time. Uh, they have like a lot of busts and stuff. It's I mean the food's theme park food, but uh, yeah. the idea that you're eating in a in a Universal monster themed restaurant is awesome. And That's yet cool. I was so bummed to find there's no Universal monsters merch in that entire fucking park anywhere. What? Yeah, they it's, put it out during Halloween, but other than that, yeah, it's pretty uh, nowhere. Lame. Yeah. yeah. Bummer. Hey, it's in a very popular spot. Like something this, something horror is in the most family friendly spot in the world, and it's pretty cool. Yeah. Yeah. And you could probably get there by traveling on a boat. Oh, <laughs> he brings it back. <laughs> way to get we... us back on track, Brian. <laughs> All right, well. Anything else anybody wants to say about the creature? No. My band has a really good song about the creature from the book. Okay, I'll stop. That's all I got. One day we'll do a music video too. I know. Alright, so what other ones should we talk about? Leviathan. Leviathan. Alright. Tell us about it. That means Mike didn't watch it. Damn it, I called him. (laughs) Damn it. You caught me. Well, um, it is like 16,000 feet or meters below sea level, and you're on a spaceship-like ship (laughs) with Peter Weller and people, and it becomes the thing. And things start yeah. genetically mutating. <laughs> <laughs> it is, isn't it? It's the underwater similar. thing, basically. Yeah. 
kind of. Right. It's like a mixture of alien. I felt like the crew yeah. reminded me of Alien, and yeah. Yeah. The, the creatures and everything reminded me of the thing. It, but that, that's not a bad No. Thing. No. Uh-uh. It was but, good. It was yeah, good. Yeah, but it, it felt like it was a spaceship, though. Like, it felt more like a spaceship to me than a ship. Ship. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Submarine or whatever. Deep sea diving vessel. I think that, because like it, I'd seen it before, but when I watched it again, it, it got me scared on how I, now I'm trying to remember what movie I hated for this. Oh, the John Carpenter's, the one on the train. But, uh, no, no, wait. What? What? The John Carpenter tra- train movie. Ghost of Mars. Ghost of Mars. Oh, Ghost of Mars. So, this oh, movie yeah. started with talking jargon and like... You know, they're just setting up this world that they live in. I was afraid it was going to get too jargon-heavy, but it turned out to not be that at all. It had an actual story. Well, should we talk about this one simultaneously with with Deep Star 6? Because it sounds almost like the exact same fucking movie. Yep, they they are very, very similar. (laughs) And both of them came out, like, simultaneously, too. This was during that era in the 80s. For a brief moment in, like, a year, there was... uh, a subclass of underwater monster movies. Yeah, like 1989, right there. They all came out. A lot of these films we were talking about were that year. Deep Star 6, Leviathan, The Abyss. Yeah. Antonio uh, Margariti's Alien from The Abyss. (laughs) (laughs) But this one had Peter Weller and Daniel Stern and Ernie Ernie Hudson. Oh, and nice. uh, yeah. Meg, Meg Foster is an awesome cast. And Hector yeah. Elizondo. Hector, yeah. yeah. Richard Crenna is was, also in this. I was bummed yeah. that I did miss this one, because when I was doing research for the show, picking the movies, I was seeing if this one was in full on YouTube, and I, cl- I clicked on like the one of the final scenes of the movie where the giant... Where the monsters outside on the top of the water, and I'm like, that monster looks fucking cool. I definitely gotta watch this one. <laughs> that is one uh, big ass badass it's on, puppet. It's on Screen Factory. They put it out on Blu-ray a couple of years ago, so that's why it's not available on YouTube. I would imagine they're sure. hanging onto that pretty tight. Um, yeah. I cannot fucking believe you haven't seen this movie. Oh, I avoided oh, being the big effects guy you are and stan winston built the monsters for this oh damn it well see i avoided those movies because like to me they all just looked when i'm reading fangoria magazine and i have to read you know four or five articles on the same three movies like i was i didn't have any interest in seeing any one of those so yeah so i didn't see any of them like deep star six i saw for the first time this week so hmm that one, I stayed up late till it wasn't even on a horror host show. I just, you know, back in the days of scouring the TV guide, <laughs> getting only, uh, you know, the, the three big networks and PBS. For some reason, I can't remember if it was ABC, CBS, NBC, one of the three was playing Deep Star Six at like 12.30 at night, just as nice. a time filler. And it's like, oh my God, I have to stay up and watch that. So, I mean, it happened to be on a weekend, so I was actually able to. And uh, it was like, you know, I don't know if there's a storm. There was some reason, like, the TV wasn't coming in right, so it was all fucked up. And I was, like, sitting real close to the screen trying to make out what was happening through the static. And occasionally for, like, 
15 minutes or so, it would come through clear, and I'd get all excited, and then it would fuzz out in the middle of a monster scene. I'd be like, motherfucker! <laughs> That's why he hates the weather. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Now, in Leviathan, can you guys help me out here? In Leviathan, is it like Deep Star 6, where the majority of the people are are not killed by the monster, but just by, you know, dumb luck? Because that's how Deep Star Six was, or was, or did you see a lot more of the monster in Leviathan than you did Deep Star Six? Well, there's multiple, like, I don't know. This all has to do with like genetically mutated, like fish DNA in people. Yeah. Okay. So it's it's just it's affecting the crew. Yeah. Oh, so and, I see. and if they if they hack pieces off the monster, they will run off and become things themselves yeah. that will then further attack people. Oh, that's pretty badass. Because yeah. Deep Star so, Six, it was just a crustacean, giant crustacean monster that came out of underneath this cavern in the bottom of the ocean. Right, which I kind of like better as an origin for the monster because I'm a sucker for prehistoric stuff too. So, I, I mean, it's the simplest setup in the world for a monster movie, but yeah. I fucking love it every time. <laughs> <laughs> totally. You know, I remember renting Leviathan when I was, oh, God, I don't know, I was probably around 12 when I saw this for the first time. And, like, the the first, when they're, the first couple of people die, you don't full-on see the monster. They just die, and there's this, these shapes under the sheets that you can tell they're not quite human anymore and they're carrying them to the uh, airlock to blow them out into the ocean to get this contagion off their vet or, uh, not their ship that's like an undersea mining uh, installation and it starts writhing and fighting against them and they drop it and the bag splits open and there's you just get these glimpses of this thing inside and it's reaching after him, and they shove it into the airlock, and the door shuts, and it chops one of the thing's legs off, and the leg kind of, like, flops its way back into the ship away from them, and they don't notice. Mm-hmm. And then this eel thing crawls out of it, and uh, I want to... Jerry Goldsmith, I think, does the score for it. The music's very yeah. creepy, and the music's almost more sound effects than it is a score. Oh, cool. Um, in fact, there's a bit that's very much like that pew noise in Cannibal Holocaust. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, what, but, what's, uh, which part? It goes, pew! Yes! Yes! <laughs> so happy. Except in this, it's more of a... <laughs> it's got a little trill to it, but I anyway. I like that better. Um, I like yeah. that better. <laughs> Jason, is, it, is there a way of making that my ringtone? Yeah, uh, totally. <laughs> Thank you. I'll cut that out and send it to you. Thanks. <laughs> oh, Yeah. <laughs> If only somebody would call you to use it. Oh, Ouch. Sort of interesting, the director of Leviathan, um, he directed First Blood Part 2 and, Co- and Cobra and Tombstone also. And the Cobra. greatest killer rat movie of all time, of unknown origin. Fucking love that movie! Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's one of, that is probably one of my, if not my all-time favorite Rat movie. I'd have to stop and think about it before saying that out loud, but I do really love that movie. Another Peter Weller movie. Yeah. Guy who likes working with Peter Weller. Because I, I, always, I always look at Of Unknown Origin. I know we're getting off topic. <laughs> I'm, just deal with it. Um, I always look at Of Unknown Origin as like a dark um, 
dark, sadistic uh, Tom and Jerry cartoon. Yeah, it totally is. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, so Leviathan. All right. Well, what's the director's name? George P. Cosmatos. Okay. Man, I feel like I watched the wrong one. Should have watched you this did. instead of Deep Star Six. <laughs> you totally watched the no, wrong one. Well, oh. Levi- Leviathan is definitely the better movie. It was funded with De Laurentiis money. Yeah. Oh. So, so they had the cash to splash around. No pun intended. Get it because they're in the water. Ah. Uh, <laughs> right. No, there, there's it's me. There's always a pun intended. Come on. <laughs> okay, that's true. But Deep Star Six, I think, is a little more fun. Oh, like really? if you were just going to throw one on for a little romp, Deep Star Six is is the way to go because it's yeah, it's Sean Cunningham. It's yeah, you know, which is why picky. I chose it because it's like again, I'd never seen it, and it's not like he's directed a lot of movies. He's mostly produced. So, like, to see another Sean Cunningham directed film, you know, but uh, that the. I mean, is Leviathan the same in the first act? You talked about, Jason, about the techno-jargon dialogue. This Deep Star Six is really heavy on that, too, where it's that's it's all it is in the first first act of the movie. It's just everybody doing their job and talking. That's there. That's definitely there. That's exactly the same. But I don't think it's as... It started really strong right at first, but then it went away and it was just characters interacting. I care... I cared about the characters way fast, so whatever they were saying, jargon-wise, okay. I didn't care. Did you watch both? I did not. Okay. But. <clears throat> okay. Because, you know, you, you, you talk about, you were complaining about, like, the techno-jargon talk in, like, Ghost of Mars. You're saying it's, it was almost like that for you? Uh, just right, just seriously, like, the first minute or two. Okay. Just the opening felt- scene was just like... Put the thing in the thing, words I've never heard before, and, you know, like, what the fuck? And there's a lot of that in Deep Deep Star Six, um, but I feel like it, it felt it felt right, and unlike Ghost of Mars. Like, mm-hmm. it, I, it almost felt like there was a, a technical person helping write the script. Not that I'm any marine biologist or anything, and I know shit about, about it, but it sounded real. It sounded right. <laughs> the way they, the way yeah. they were saying it, and the... Um, and I also picked Deep Star Six over Leviathan because it stars the guy from My Two Dads. It also Paul has Reiser? the guy. F- no, the other one. Oh. It also has the guy from uh, Abominable. Oh, oh yeah, the guy, yeah. The guy in the wheelchair. That's right. I forgot about that. Awesome. Yeah. His death was pretty sweet. Yes. <laughs> that that is the part that stuck with me from that uh, that grainy. You know, one o'clock in the morning, uh, signal coming in and out. First viewing of this movie was that that part came through loud and clear. <laughs> so and I suppose it was late enough at night they didn't edit it, but yeah, that was yeah sweet. That's so, when uh, Miguel Ferrer accidentally stabs that dude to the shark. Oh God, blows yeah. his chest open. And that's my point. Like Miguel Ferrer kills more people in this movie than the monster does. <clears throat> And and honestly, he's another reason I wa- I chose to watch because I I will watch anything with that man in it. Yeah, he is awesome. He is very awesome. Um, but I think that uh, might have been my introduction to him, actually. Oh, really? Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's always was and always will be RoboCop. So, 
Uh, oh, interesting though. Both these movies each have a RoboCop actor in it. Yeah, they do. Hmm. The Leviathan suits were pretty kick-ass. Very yeah, and, and there's also a scene where someone puts a like sea spider creature thing in oh, Daniel yeah. Stern's uh, bed. And then, you know, years later, he gets a tarantula on the face in Home Alone. So, I'm yep. just saying, there's some kind of... It, it could be the same character. <laughs> you just tied Home Alone to Leviathan. It's a shared universe. Yep. Old six-pack. Boy, he is a lady hound and a half. Yeah. It was pretty it, annoying. Six-pack. Yeah. That's his name. In Daniel the, Stern's name in the movie Six-Pack? Nice. Yeah, he's the ladies' man, funny guy. He's pretty great. <laughs> Awesome. Did you watch both, Terry? Just Leviathan. Ah. Uh, did you say what you actually thought of it? Uh, I don't remember. You guys started talking and I took a nap. No. <laughs> 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 so the usual. Um, no, I did. I really did like it. Yeah. It was awesome and things. You guys already talked about like everything. <laughs> I know he does that all the time. Let's yeah. talk about everything and then ask you right at the end, like, "And what do you think? All the things you said that you didn't really? let me say because you kept saying it." Everything. Did we really talk about everything? What was the font like in the closing credits? Well, oh, I, did we? Did you guys talk about the shark? I don't think you talked about the shark. No, we didn't talk about the shark. So we didn't talk about everything, Terry. I just thought that was an odd, you know, the the crew surfaces and then they're suddenly getting attacked by a shark. Oh yeah. I just thought that was weird. Oh, that's that's odd. Yeah, that's, that's pretty. <laughs> it just seemed. I mean, the, yeah, and then the shark goes away, and then the real creature comes up and starts to try to get them. But I just thought that was really odd that they had a shark. I didn't understand why they did that. Just, that was the only a, thing that stood if you're out. Having a bad day, I guess. You're hopeless <laughs> in a body of water. There's probably a shark behind you. Yeah. <laughs> just... Man. Cool shark. Same cool thing. shark. Well, one of the uh, taglines for this movie was Aliens thrilled you, the fly shocked you, now experience real fear. So they Whoa. knew sort of what they were, the, the uh, crowd they were going for. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Stan Winston effects, huh? Damn it! Totally watched the wrong one. Damn. Well, you can. The good. The good thing is you can still watch it. Oh yeah. Go back and watch it again. Moments passed. What? I'll I'll loan you my VHS of it. Will that help? Nice. I'd probably prefer to watch it in VHS. (laughs) But uh, yeah. What year? So, eighty nine was Leviathan, and was Deep Star Six the same year? Yeah, eighty nine. Eighty nine. Not just weird. That's weird. Not weird. At least they changed up what they were doing in Deep Star Six, and that it's a nuclear missile installation. Yeah. Anybody see the remake? A little, little Cold War remake, remake of Deep Star Six. Leviathan. No, is it really a remake? 2014. Uh... I didn't think it was the same story. Maybe it was. I oh, briefly wait. looked it's at not. it. It's not. I saw a Russian, <laughs> okay. and I'm like, well, that is the same, but... Oh, okay. Never mind. All right. 
made me nervous. That was close. That was close. Cool, well, we just we just two, killed two movies with one stone there. Nice. I will say, even though Stan Winston built the creatures from Leviathan, I also like, not only do I like the origin of the monster in Deep Star 6 better, I like that monster better. Oh, really? Uh, the monster was really cool looking. And it's, you get more looks at it than you do at the thing in Leviathan, too. Really? Oh, that's interesting, because I really felt like they were they didn't show us much of the monster at all. In, they in they don't, Star. but you get that one real lingering look at it at the end. Yeah, when, when they, again, when they're electrocuting it. Yeah, again, when they're on the surface of the water, they both kind of end the same too. Um, yeah, and that was a totally smiley son of a bitch moment, wasn't it? <laughs> and some a friend of mine uh, on Facebook described the thing perfectly, and I wish I'd thought of this first, but he said it was a cross between Predator and Ibera which is a giant uh, lobster oh, yeah. that Godzilla fights and Godzilla versus the sea monster. And that's a pretty apt description because it's this really cool, like it's got those weird sideways pupil crab eye things, mm. but they're on the very front of its top jaw. And then it's got those two big mandibles that open out to the side and then a bunch of other little teeth down on the bottom. And it's just, I mean, they took the basic body plan of a crab and then just, like sort of turn it into half dinosaur kind of and it's just i don't know i fucking love that kind of stuff i also i also love the fact too of like i mean you just don't see that kind of craftsmanship nowadays uh on on the fact that the scale of that thing i mean it's a big puppet yeah yeah it's full size there's no like i mean there's some really great miniature work for the for the uh, base and stuff where you see models but the monster is never anything but a full i mean that fucking thing's probably 12 feet long. It's huge. It was, yeah, it was huge. And they submerged that thing in the water, which is always risky when dealing with, uh, with, you know, different materials. Yeah. So, yeah, I love it. Love me, love me some monsters. Just been watching submissions for Halloween of Palooza and there's one in there that's got a really Sweet ass monster that I really like. Awesome! You're gonna have to let me know which one so I can make sure I see that one. Absolutely. When I I come, I want to make sure I sit in on the screening of that. But absolutely. um, Now it's 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 a short film, you know, a short no budget film. But I I love the you know they they did a decent work designing something and creating something with nothing. So bear that in mind. But I, I I fucking love it. Oh, that's cool. I'm I'm looking forward to it. Some one other last little word about the model work. I absolutely love the cavern in Deep Star Six when they send that remote camera drone down. Oh yeah. To see when the cave, when the ocean floor collapses in their uh, in that work site, and yeah. they send that camera down before the monster eats the camera, where it looks like an alien world. Which is exactly mm-hmm. what you kind of think the bottom of the ocean looks like when you see, you know, you see the lava vents and the weird little formations of crust that have formed over the lava that are kind of pulsating, and it just—it's so eerie and alien. And stuff at the bottom of the ocean freaks me right the fuck out. Like, <laughs> you know, the the one of the scariest images I can think of is like a bird's eye view of a boat with something huge coming up under it. And the people on the boat don't know oh, it's there because yeah. it would be so so easy for some <laughs> massive thing to sneak up on you in the ocean. That's really the only place that could believably happen. And you know, 
so much of the ocean floor is unexplored. We have no fucking idea what lives down there. You know, the sky's well, the sky's not the limit, but the Mariana <laughs> Trench is the limit. The, the other way, yeah, <laughs> yeah. But uh, yeah, so like, I mean, we're being trapped underwater because it's an environment that is completely mm. hostile to humans. We are not meant to be there, and we have no power there. So whatever is down there with us automatically oh. has the home field advantage because humans have to have all kinds of assistance to even exist in that environment, let alone fight in it or uh, you know move in it even yeah. in a, a particularly effective way. Or if you're deep enough even to get out of it, you need assistance. Yeah. I liked that aspect in, in, in uh, Deep Star 6. I'm assuming Levi, if they resurfaced in that movie too um i'm assuming they addressed it but like they Not a lot there was a lot of conversation about having to decompress uh-huh. and they, that, they paid a lot more attention to that in deep star six than they do in leviathan oh really because yeah. that was that was my favorite that was that may have been my favorite death scene is miguel ferrer's death in that movie <laughs> yes. where he he just freaks out and he just uh takes the escape pod and doesn't decompress and you just start seeing and his, his nodes bleeding, he's sweating really bad, and, his, and it shows his arm, and it's all bubbly, uh, uh, uh. and like it was, it made it was making me cringe. And then you just <laughs> saw the the inside of the of the vehicle, and you just see this big blood splatter, like he just popped like a freaking zit. Uh, yeah, say say what you want about Castaway, but please don't. Um, I liked it, but uh, <laughs> I, like you're saying, Brian, like the the most powerful scene in that movie for me was kind of near the end where he's just sitting on the raft and then like big giant fucking whale comes up under his feet and it's like fucking terrifying to me. (laughs) Like I can't deal with the thought of something like that. You know, just, you can't see it till it's it's there. Yeah. It's a giant monster. Even though it's a whale, it's something we know. But it's a giant monster to us, and and, and it, the thing like whales are not aggressive. They're yeah. in fact they've exhibited the tendency to be friendly toward humans, but it could kill <laughs> you, not even meaning to, just by accident <laughs> because know. it's fucking five hundred times bigger than you. <laughs> and just to, yeah, in that movie to see the shadow of it start to appear under him, and just those kind of thoughts, I, I can't I can't deal very well with that stuff. Nice. I love it. I That's love that I'm it so scares me, but. I'm so excited for Meg coming out next year. It's going to be awesome. But what's that? Yeah, what's that? It's an adaptation of Steve Alton's book that's been floundering in development hell forever. It's about a it's basically a modern-day Moby Dick type of thing where the guy's fighting a Carcharodon Megalodon shark. Whoa. Nice. Yeah. Jason Statham's in it. In nice! Yeah. Yeah, I think wasn't Eli Roth originally supposed to direct it, and he moved on to that to Death Wish. And yeah, there have been so many people attached to that movie because it's. I mean, they've seriously been trying to get a movie of that off the ground for at minimum fifteen years, I think. But anyway, that's not out yet, so it's not <laughs> more for the uh, killer news than for. That'll be on our part. I'll be on our part two. Yeah. yeah. But I think, you know, that's a big part of why I've, I mean, I love monsters. That's one part of it. But I think that's something, a reason that I've always been drawn to sea monster movies, too, is it's just that extra aspect of of horror and helplessness, you know, being trapped in the creature's environment with it. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Mm-hmm. 
Yeah. Love it. Hate it. Love it. <laughs> Love it and hate it. <laughs> Anything else about these uh, about these two particular films? I just want to throw it out there. I know it wasn't on the list, but I kind of already brought it up a little. And again, I've never seen it, but James Cameron's Abyss. Yeah, that's the first one that I saw really young. Yeah. When you talked about um, Sam Neill and his losing the air, like the fucking abyss. Yeah. I don't know. It's it's a lot of that. I mean, I love that fucking movie a lot. Yeah, it's a very cool movie. Uh, yeah, it's great. It's yeah, it's definitely never definitely not a horror movie, though. No. no. Which, yeah. But, uh, and it's it's interesting, though, because I it remember... It that terror of being trapped and fucked, you know, yeah. by... It's in there. I remember when that movie came out, and this was off the off the heels of um, Terminator 2. So it was a big fucking deal, because James Cameron was hot shit. But it's kind of a forgotten movie now in his filmography, it feels like. Because everybody always talks about, like, Terminator 2, or Titanic, or... Um, uh, Avatar, but never really hear much discussion on the Abyss. And I think Steve Johnson did those effects in the Abyss, didn't he? Sounds right. Yeah. Well, That's one I remember. Back in the days of even having to rent the VCR along with the movies because they cost as much as a small car. Yeah. Um, yeah. My parents would, you know, rent a VCR and rent some movies, and they'd you know get a cartoon or whatever for me. Of course, I'd spend all the time in the rental store looking at horror movie covers that they'd never let me rent and then <laughs> time would be up and they're like haven't you found anything yet no i've been looking at freddy krueger and fright night <laughs> but um, but i remember my dad and they had some other like adult friends of theirs over and the movie like they they would each rent like you know mom would rent one and watch with her gal friends and then dad would rent one to watch with the guys and usually either one of them weren't things i could watch but i remember one night dad and his buddies rented the abyss and i got to watch it with him because it wasn't you know there's nothing really in that movie that a kid can't see and i remember just being fucking mesmerized by the imagery in it because yeah. the effects in that movie are fucking amazing i didn't yeah. understand really at the time what was supposed to be going on because there's some kind of deep stuff at the end of about you know the first contact and and yep. you know talking to other sentient life forms and that that just kind of went over my head but just being captivated by the way that movie looked because that is a beautiful looking movie oh yeah the creature the thing that moves through the water it's you're like what the fuck how the fuck did they do that mm. And I think you'd like it just for the Michael Bean experience, because oh. he's, a, he's a badass in this movie. <laughs> you, lo- you talk about losing your mind, you know he's a crazy person. Yeah, a little bit. He's awesome. He's great in it. Well, I want to say my biggest takeaway from this whole episode is the fact that Tad inadvertently told me that Eli Roth directed the Death Wish remake. That's all you're... I had no fire. Because, like, as soon as he said that, I <laughs> jumped straight to went. my phone and went to IMDb, and I'm like, holy fuck. <laughs> he did. <sighs> and then your second reaction is, holy fuck, I'm not going to watch that, because it's going to be garbage. You're Eli Roth's last I, is, I still stand by Eli Roth. I'm almost thinking about giving Knock Knock another chance. What the fuck did I just hear? <laughs> okay. 
you know what? Not, I will not, stop not bad. this show. I will not, stop this show. Not bad. Brian, you watch your mouth out. So, the original well, is way, way better. Death Game? Yes. Yeah. You know my favorite thing? Okay, again, way off topic. You know my favorite thing about Death Game that uh, Knock Knock didn't give us? And I saw Death Game after Knock Knock because I didn't realize, you know, I didn't even, I didn't realize that uh, Knock Knock was a remake of Death Game until I, you know, heard about it from Eli Roth that basically it was a remake of Death Game. So I'm like, well, okay, I better see this now since I hate Knock Knock so much. I better see... And and I instantly thought it was a way better movie, but I was like, now, am I just thinking this because it was a movie made in the 70s and I gravitate towards that more, more than, you know, shit that's made today? Yes, probably. But the best part and the most gratifying thing that Knock Knock didn't do is what happens to the girls at the end of that movie. Yes. It's fucking aw- it's awesome on so many levels because you feel totally satisfied by what happens to him, and it's so out of nowhere. It is such so out of nowhere that it makes no sense. Not well, it does make sense. It's that is the most blackly funny moment in the whole movie. Oh yeah, those, it's those, hilarious. Because well, no, not not just because oh the two girls got creamed by a truck. Oops, those those two <laughs> girls are completely <laughs> on, on they're upset. on their own. They're 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 minors. They're you know, too young to have a home of their own, whatever. They may be completely homeless. They certainly don't have any parental guidance. They are essentially strays, yes. Yeah. They get hit by an animal control truck. <laughs> okay. I get the subtext there. Nice. Nice. Why couldn't they do that to the girls and not talk? You go because ahead Eli and watch Roth, it again. Because Eli Roth is a talentless douchebag. Eh, well, I wouldn't go that far. You know what I have which to say part? to Eli Roth? Oh, shit. <laughs> now he's getting serious. Okay, but Eli Roth never made a movie on the boat, so... Um, <laughs> did, did anybody watch any of the, any others? I've, I'm tapped out on the ones I watched. There's some light rafting in Cabin Fever. <laughs> He, he can tie it in. He's good. He's good. Oh, light rafting. Oh shit. Okay. Um, I did not get any more than those. So the only other one I could I could talk Piranha. on is Piranha 3D, just because I've seen it dozens of times. Did watch the deep? No, and I was hoping that this would be finally my time to watch the deep. For the oh, first so you just put it on the list because you wanted to watch it. I've read the Peter Benchley novel, if that helps anything. You guys, it's not a horror movie. It's like a treasure hunting adventure movie. Oh, so it's probably a good thing. I've been pissed. It does have Robert Shaw in it, though. Oh, well. That was back in my I have to read everything Peter Benchley ever wrote kick. (laughs) Jason, I'll have you know that I put a lot of thought in the movies that go on the list, not just what I want to watch. I I think long and hard about about these movies, and then when I'm done making the list, then certain people on this podcast throw out thirty or forty more titles on Slack uh-huh. that uh, that weren't on my list. I'm sorry. <laughs> not sorry. Don't be sorry. And the whole time I'm thinking, fuck, that would have been better on the list. <laughs> really, you think Harpoon? The Whale Watching Massacre would have That's been That's another better. one I've been wanting to see. It's got oh. Ginner Henson in it. You think Triangle would have been better? 
If Brian says so, yes. That's true. He was right about Deep Rising. That's awesome. Yeah, Deep Rising kicks ass. And I'm so disappointed that it never we didn't get the sequel that it promises at the end of the movie. Because oh, yeah. once they finally get to the beach, and they're like, oh, we're safe. And then the camera pans back, and you see the trees shaking like there's some giant thing moving toward them out of the forest. Like, where's my sequel? <laughs> We had a we worked with one of the actors from Deep Rising. Really? Yep, he was in Collapse. Who's that? The sheriff Curtis. Cur- oh, oh, uh, yeah. Clint Curtis. Clint Curtis is in that. Yep. Mm-hmm. You actually see him in the movie? Oh yeah, he's a he's got a good part. He's he was he told me when we were shooting Collapse that his scene in Deep Rising he was the First person killed by CGI. Oh yeah, nice. Because uh, I just remember fir- first meeting Clint and finding out he was in Blade, and like couldn't wait to rewatch Blade. And, and was like, he's in the scene, yeah. And you hear his voice, you never see his face. Yeah, he's one of the crew members in Deep Rising. Awesome. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, uh, any honorable mentions before we uh, head off to some breaks? To a break? Oh, God, that, my honorable mentions list would be longer than the rest of the fucking episode. <laughs> maybe we'll have to come back to the topic, maybe. Oh, and Terry threw another one out there on Slack that I was, oh, yeah. I was bummed that I didn't put on the list because I want to see oh, it, yeah. and it would have been a good excuse to see it, and that's Rec 4. Fuck yeah, the Army of Darkness of the Rex franchise. <laughs> Did you see what? it? Did you watch it? Yeah. Okay. And what is it? I liked it. What do you mean by Army of Darkness? It, it goes more funny or... Campy, yeah. Oh, that makes me want to watch it even more. Because 3 was a lot like that too, and I loved 3. I love the fact that it, it jumped the shark on the found footage angle. like, But like, didn't tell you it was going to jump the shark until like... 10, 15 minutes into the movie, because it all starts off as found footage, and then it right, just goes straight... Is that straight, the wedding one? That's the wedding one. I really love the wedding one a lot. You've seen that one, right? Yeah. Okay. Anyway. That's the one I'm thinking of, was the Army of Darkness one. Yeah, it, get, it gets silly, and there's even a chainsaw in it. Yeah. So maybe that's the one you were thinking it could be, okay. but Rec Four was still awesome. And as and as silly and as over the top as Rec Three gets, it has a really sad ending. Yeah, it's crazy. Anyway, but Rec Three's not on a boat, so let's uh, let's take a break, and when we come back, we'll um, do some segments here on Attack of Killer podcast. Good evening. It's intermission time. Our service is friendly and quick. You'll find hot dogs, hamburgers, pizza, your favorite candies, hot and cold beverages, and other delicious snacks. So add to your fun of watching the movie. Visit our refreshment stand right now. We're glad to have you with us tonight. We hope you'll come to see us often. It's great to get out to the movies. Badasses, Boobs, and Body Counts is a weekly podcast that discusses grindhouse and exploitation cinema. Your three hosts, Mike. It's a quick. <laughs> Thank you. Come again. Not racist at all. 
Mark, if you bend over and you have what is essentially a pubic cottontail coming out of the crack of your ass, you need to do some goddamn grooming. And listener favorite, Iris. I do not have sex with that horse. <laughs> will make you question your own political correctness while laughing at theirs. Episodes drop every Sunday and can be found by searching BB and BC Podcasts via Lipson, iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play Music, and iHeartRadio. You can also listen to episodes directly from the show's website at badassesboobsandbodycounts.com. Hey everybody, this is Wayne. This is Zip. Lori. Brian. Doug. And we're the Necronomicast, a weekly horror podcast brought to you by us, horror fans for you, horror fans. We talk about movies, books, celebrity interviews, your mom. (laughs) I don't know what you want me to say. (laughs) Necronomicast. Uh, We also talk about streaming movies, new movies, as well as news in horror. And that's just a sample of what you'll get on the Necronomicast. <laughs> Do we say horror movies? <laughs> visit us at Necronomicast.com. Also visit us on Facebook. And on iTunes and all that. Necronomicast. Uh, we'll scare the shit out of you. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> visit us at Necronomicast.com for more madness and horror and blood. We're good. <laughs> How are you? <laughs> And we're back. And we're going to start off, as as we always do, with some shout-outs here on the show. Take it away, Jason. It's time for... Shout-outs! I'm on a boat. I'm on a boat. Uh, just ask what your favorite horror movies take place on or around or near or under or over a boat. And on the Facebook, we got up first Benjamin Chi says Shockwaves. I love you. Shock love Shockwaves. I do. Um, and that's directed by. Um, Oh, shoot. Ken, what is his last name? He directed Return of the Living Dead Part 2. What are horror... What? It's a W. Yep. Ken, Ken. W. Yep. But it, it, that's like the uh, the ultimate like underwater zombie Nazi movie. The Shockwaves. Because <laughs> there's yeah, so many of those. Out movies. of all of them, that, that's the one. <laughs> there's two! <laughs> <laughs> There's also Zombie Lake, which is actually a really bad movie. So, uh, so it doesn't have uh, very far to go to be number one. Got it. If there's anything, Mike loves his subgenres. <laughs> I will make subgenres out of subgenres. Shockwaves is awesome, though. Mm-hmm. And I love the DVD commentary on that with Fred Olin Ray because oh. he was like a PA yeah. on that. It was like his first job. And it's him and like two of the other people who were like, you know, high up in the crew it's well it was the director and alan ornsby 
Yeah, and Al, it was it was the director and Alan Ornsby who did the uh, zombie effect, zombie makeup. Right, right, okay. And like neither one of them remember anything about it, and Fred's just <laughs> going off on these minute details of the movie, and they're like, "How the fuck do you yeah. remember that? You were like ten years old, and you just got us coffee." And he's like, "I paid attention. I love this stuff." Movie. Yeah, that was my favorite moment. Alan Alan Ornsby just turns to Fred Olin Ray. He's like, "How do you remember all this?" Yeah, it's 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 actually probably uh, up there is one of my favorite commentary tracks. It's really good. Hmm. Alright, up next we got Leo Redmond says, Zombie Flesh Eaters. No? Not sure which movie that is. That's Fulci's Zombie. That's what I thought. That's what I thought. And it begins on a boat. Yeah, there's a zombie shark attack. Well, there's that Under scene too. There's, so there's several scenes on a boat. Actually, I was thinking of the opening scene where the boat lands in New York and the cops get on the boat, and then it's like the dead bodies wrapped up in the sheets, like Dawn of the Dead, and they one sits up and they shoot at it, and then like the big the big fat ones on on the outside of the boat and attacks the yep the cops. He also says, and there's that one with a cat inside of a cat. Can't think of what it's called. <laughs> And then he writes back, he says, just remembered, name of the evil cat film, Uh, Uninvited. Uninvited. (laughs) This close, if you could see my fingers right now, this close to putting that one on the list. (laughs) Just took pity on Terry. I did, I totally took pity on on Terry. That was totally my reasoning for not putting it on there. I've heard you talk about that one before. A lot. Oh, it it is utter ass. It's it's awesome, though. (laughs) Rift Tracks just did that that one. Oh, shit. Fuck yeah. Is that, on, that. is that on Amazon? I have no idea. It's a pretty new one. I don't know how new, oh, okay. how quickly their stuff makes it to Amazon, but... That'd be awesome. Up next, we got Mike Franklin. He says, $5 for an August moon, starring e- Ed- Edwidge Fennick. Edwidge Fennick. Fennick. Yeah. Is that good? She's hot. Okay. And it's some classic Jallo. Uh, Ghost Ship 2002 had some fun sequences in it as well. One. One. Okay. <laughs> Up next, Matthew Tangen says, Virus. Yeah, that's a fun one. Is that the... Um, Jamie, Jamie Lee Curtis, Curtis and Donald Sutherland. Okay. That's on a boat? I thought that was a outer space movie. Mm-hmm. Oh, okay. The, the techno virus is an alien consciousness, like an energy being, but it does take place on a boat. Oh, okay. He also said Deep Rising and Ghost Ship. Amy Walker says, Love this movie, especially the opening sequence when they get ripped in half and they're all standing there for a second bewildered. Ghost Ship. It's the best scene in the movie. It's a pretty good scene. Yeah, it's pretty much downhill after that. (laughs) Great, Great opening. Fuck yeah. Yep, as soon as the title of the movie pops on, then it all goes downhill after that. <laughs> I don't know if it's so much downhill as just an immediate drop-off. It's like, it sinks. <laughs> it's not so much downhill as over a cliff. <laughs> oh, or, yeah, like nice. said, or underwater. It goes, it sinks. Yeah. It sinks. <laughs> uh, Linnea Walker-Morse says... Oh, here we go. <laughs> Brian's favorite is Moana. <laughs> and... She- she keeps coming up with movies that I actually like trying to make fun great. of me with yeah. them. Moana's awesome. It is. <laughs> but it wasn't horror. It was delightful. She's right. 
Uh, Irene Montez Guzman says Jaws. Yep. Yep. There's some good boat There's action. There's amazing boat stuff in that movie. Yeah. The whole third act I could watch just by itself. Tim Lenerer says open water. Starts out on a boat. And then the lack of a boat for the remaining 98% of the film is what makes it a horror movie. Made with a cast in two and a two. Tuna. Cast of two. And a crew of two, minimalist and terrifying because there's nothing in any direction but water and sky. Two doomed people learning they're doomed for an entire film. <laughs> so, of props in that, that movie, it's mostly boat. What? Because I said of props in that movie, it's mostly boat. Yeah, there's... And then just water. There's, yeah, there's yeah. a boat in it, and then the rest <laughs> of the movie is literally just water. And it is terrifying. Yep. It's they did a good job with it, but it's not one that like to me really has a lot of replay value, so I saw it in the theater and I haven't seen it since, so I think at this point I'd be okay revisiting it and it would have <clears throat> have regained some of its effectiveness cuz that was a hell of a movie to see on the big screen. Oh, I bet. Or one to show people, you know, to Yeah. Get a normie into something a little uncomfortable. Watch him squirm. <laughs> yep. Yeah. Uh, Rude Dog Ruley says, Ghost Ship has my vote too. Brett White says, Titanic. <laughs> of course he does. Brandy Carmody says, Titanic. It's horrifying. Here we go. Leave it to Brett to open up the I know, fucking, fucking words Brett. every time. Uh, we got uh, Jason Cooter says, Jaws and Deep Blue Sea and Virus. And Leviathan. <laughs> I forgot. Yeah, Deep Blue Sea's on a boat. I remember that. That's the... Shark in the boat. Yeah. I remember that. Was that also felt like it came out that same damn year, too. That All was, that. That was, that was definitely no, same year. Same um, year as what? I don't know. As other movies of that year? Deep Blue Six. <laughs> and... Uh, I'm not sure what Ryan McDonough's movie is talking about, but he sure posted a really funny gif. <laughs> and I'll, I can watch it all day. Uh, fucking Canalana. Yep. Uh, Matthew J. Stacy says Death Ship, 1980. George Kennedy goes bonkers Nazi on a haunted floating Nazi concentration camp. Yeah. Sarah Honeycutt says Dead Calm and Donkey Punch. <laughs> what? That's a tough movie. What? Donkey Punch? Yeah. It's a tough movie to sit through, yeah, because the characters it? are all horrible. <laughs> yeah. You've seen it, dude? I have that movie. You do? Yeah. Oh. I don't fuck around. Uh, yeah, what? Apparently you don't I... fuck around with owning good movies. <laughs> That's right. That's right. Open Water 2 says Chad Clinton Freeman. Willis Wheeler says Ghost Ship. Open Water 2. I can't think of nothing else. Heather Hartman says Ghost Ship. And then all this talk has made Christine Burnett a little upset. She's like, no one is remembering the fog? Yep. Doesn't take yeah. place on a boat. I just got that score today. I'm pretty excited. Extended nice. version. Anyway. And then lastly on Facebook, we got Connie Woods. Uh, Woods. Sussick. <laughs> Fuck. 
Sorry, uh, Connie. That's why you do shout-outs. Yep, that's exactly why. Because you think I do them bad. I wouldn't have been able to pronounce Connie. I so, know. You know. She says Jaws. You can't go wrong. You can't. That's right. It's so good. And then over on no the... No love for Jaws the Revenge, though. Kind of... Uh, <laughs> Was well, ever? I have love for Jaws the Revenge, but that's <laughs> maybe not the kind the filmmakers were after. <laughs> nope. Okay, I lost my spot. Okay, and then over on Twitter, we got Matt Pike at Quad City Hawkeye says, Jaws, they need a bigger boat. He's right. They They're going to need a bigger boat. Yeah. And then Adrian Torres at Yo Adrian Torres Yo, Adrian. Says, I mean, you have to mention Jason Takes Manhattan, right? Or Wreck 4. And he posts a little picture of Jason. Anyway. And then we have Don and Nelly. At Don underscore and Nelly says, Deathhead Virgin wasn't bad. Ooh. Yeah, that is a good call. I haven't seen that movie in a million years. I don't know that. I gotta look, see if that's on YouTube now. Deathhead Death Virgin. Virgin? Yeah. Don't know that one. I remember it being really kind of a neat little atmospheric uh, ghost movie. Based, <laughs> based I on, mean, it, it's been probably twenty years since I've seen it, but yeah, I, yeah, I wonder if that's on YouTube. I got to check that out again. Based on title, is it a Jess Franco film? Oh, it's boy. not. Oh, no, it's weird. not. Surprisingly. <laughs> he also says Ghost Galleon is highly underrated. <laughs> oh God. But mostly that, that, that is the third uh, Blind Dead movie. Oh, yeah, okay. Yeah. And it is a pile of ass. And he says, but mostly there's not a whole lot beyond the obvious ones you're covering. But Deathhead Virgin, Ghost Galleon. Yeah, good call on Deathhead Virgin. Bravo. Uh, that is a deep cut there. <laughs> Up next, we got Bradley Taylor. Shout out to Bradley Taylor, our Ooh. longest running. Patreon. Patreon supporter. What's up, Brad? He says, there's my all-time favorite. Friday 13th Part 8, Jason X Manhattan, along with Jaws. Bottom. And that's all on uh, we got on Twitter. And uh, uh, you mentioned it before, and we didn't talk about it, but uh, speaking of shout-outs, and our last episode uh, was about vampires. We yep. did a Vampire 2 episode, and... I know there was a question we had talked about that we didn't know the answer to, and our pal Don at Don underscore Anelli had an answer, and we were talking about the Karnstein trilogy, mm-hmm. and we didn't on hand know what the those three films were, and he told us what they were. It's The Vampire Lovers, Lust for a Vampire, and Twins of Evil. So... We just awesome. wanted to uh, thank you, thank you, thanks, Don, for, for helping us out, us out and helping us get to that. And we appreciate you listening and letting us know. And that's pretty much all we have for shout-outs. Remember, you can always call in at four one five nine five two six eight five seven or four one five nine five AOTKP to leave your comments. Let us know. Well, what did, what did we fuck up this episode, Don? <laughs> Let us know. Anyway, that's shout-outs. The mournful, slightly unhinged cry of a loon echoed through the early morning calm on White Iron Lake. 
Little wavelets slapped against the aluminum hull of the fishing boat with a hollow, rhythmic splatting sound that lulled little Grace Collins into a deeper sleep. Her father had brought her and her mother to northern Minnesota with the grand intentions of starting a new summer family tradition. He had not taken into account the wisdom, or lack thereof, in convincing an eight-year-old that waking up at 4.30 in the morning on her break from school was a good idea. So, while her mother slept in with plans to drive to the nearby town of Ely and shop the afternoon away, he gently coaxed Grace into her sweatshirt and life jacket and boarded the boat. Bill Collins had hired a guide from the resort for the first day, thinking that he would pay attention to where all the good spots were and return to them for the rest of the week sans guide and with a few extra dollars in his pocket. The man made him a little uneasy. It wasn't so much the jagged scar running through the left side of his face, or the glass eye that sat like a gruesome cherry atop the keloid sundae on the man's cheek, as it was the twitchy mannerisms that seemed to become more pronounced as they got farther out on the lake, and his tendency to mutter under his breath. Do you guarantee we'll catch some big ones? Bill had asked. I want this to be something my daughter always remembers. Oh, remember she will, the man said. I'll find you the big one this time, don't you worry. Bill was beginning to regret not simply spending his money on renting a sonar rig instead of this odd, skittish man who appeared to be sweating despite the temperature not having yet topped 50 degrees. Boom! An impact rocked the boat, knocking one of the coolers into the water and nearly tipping Bill in along with it. Grace looked around, startled out of her sleep. What was that, Daddy? she asked. It's what you asked me to find you, said the man. It's the big one. This is the part of the lake where he lives. He? said Bill. What are you talking about? The bastard who took my eye, and no one believed me. Now you're going to see him. Someone else will know he's here, and when we bring him back to shore, they'll all see. They'll stop laughing at me, the man snarled, hoisting a boat hook in both hands and bracing against the side of the boat. Grace screamed as a huge torpedo-like body erupted from the water and sailed over the boat, its green and black and silver scales flashing in the early dawn light. She caught a glimpse of cruel, needle teeth as long as her fingers before the shape crashed back into the water on the opposite side of the boat. Grace screamed again, louder and louder, as the headless body of her father toppled forward into her lap and drenched her with blood. "'You saw it!' cackled the man. "'Now you know he's real! You saw Insane's Pike!' Best intro ever. Okay, so you thought this was going to be the conclusion to the violent shit collection. We did. We've been banking on it for months. I know. I had Hoping one more it would to go. Finally, be over. I had one more to go, and that was Zombie Ninety, and I couldn't do it. I didn't get it done. I didn't get it watched. I chickened out. I will still watch it. I still need to wrap this up. Um. So. Instead of hitting pause on this, I figured I'll take this opportunity and also review the rest of this box set, and that is the bonus features. So on the Zombie 90 disc, it's its own disc, and on that disc has bonus features for Violent Shit Part 4, including like shots of the the, uh, premiere of the movie, like some home video footage of the premiere of the movie, this really nice-looking theater, really huge, uh, really huge theater where they had, um, they, they, it was showing a lot of people in the lobby and stuff, and then they showed 
um, some entertainment that they had before the movie started, um, including a couple bands. They had like this this uh, rap this rapper and then like some German heavy heavy metal band uh, play about three or four songs each. So it was like a full concert right before they showed the movie. And so if you want to uh, if you want to check out some German rap and heavy metal, uh, it's definitely good for that. Um, and then on there they had the teaser trailer and the full trailer for Violent Shit Part 4, which I believe you could also see those trailers on YouTube. I think that's where I originally saw them. And then outtakes. So it had like a um, you know, five to ten minute reel of outtakes. Um, you know, kind of like old prescribed films outtake reels where they just it goes on way too long. <laughs> Uh, oh, yeah. Like every bad take doesn't necessarily mean it belongs in the outtake reel. So, uh-huh. um, but it shows a few uh, a, f- a few failed attempts at at some effects shots. So it's kind of neat as an effects artist because you kind of get a little bit of behind the scenes of how they did the effects on it. Um, so overall, I mean, I have a feeling that some of the uh, some of this content is a little bit lost in translation for me, um, and like the the footage that they have of the premiere of the movie goes on way too long. Um, but, you know, that kind of goes in theme with all the movies, right? Uh, you know, really bad camera shots and things going on way longer than they should. But, uh, but yeah, so it was nice that, you know, not only am I, do, we, do you get, like, four full movies in this box set, uh, or the, the four movies of the trilogy in this box set, plus a bonus movie of Zombie 90... But there's also a bonus material as well, so um, so that's all I really have to say about it, uh, about the Violent Shit Collection in this episode. Next episode, I promise, will be my review of Zombie 90, and I can stop talking about these shitty shot on VHS German films. And when I say shitty, they're awesome, but I could put, put this box set to rest once and for all. <laughs> and that's all I got. Oh, so close. So close. I was so worried that I was going to have wasted that intro on you talking about Zombie Night because <laughs> fuck that movie. You feel like the supplemental material is was even better than Zombie 90? Probably, yeah. <laughs> Probably. I haven't seen the supplemental material, but I've seen Zombie 90. And <laughs> I have a pretty good idea that, how, you know, anything would be better, really. <laughs> Uh, well, then you'll have to write a, a really bad intro for the next episode, because it will be Zombie 90. <laughs> so, I want to put this box set away and not watch it again for a while. Okay, so that concludes this episode of Attack of the Killer Podcast. Um, awesome, guys. We uh, survived the open waters. We did Phew. it. Yeah, no life jackets. No jacket required, as Phil Collins would say. Nobody said the word dinghy, so that was good. I, I'm really impressed. Yeah, no one I said dinghy, and we almost made it through the episode without that "I'm on a boat" song. But you had I, you had to ruin it. It's been in my head since this fucking episode came to light because <laughs> I love that song. So and my, my boss, he has a boat, and like he's always on it, and he's always talking about his boat. And but he likes uh, this dumb Kid Rock song about a boat. And I'm like, no, that's not the song about a boat. So I inappropriately blast the song every time I can <laughs> at, at work when I probably shouldn't be. Nice. And it's just stuck in my head forever. 
Oh, goodness. So, that concludes this episode of Attack of the Killer Podcast. I just want to take a moment and thank thank everybody for being on. And special thanks to everybody out there that's listening. We've been doing the show for how long now, Jason? Five plus, go on our sixth year. Sixth year? Okay. So, six years of doing this show... And, um, you know, sometimes it feels a little, you know, a little tasking at times and feels like going on a little unrewarded, you know, but uh, we we keep doing it. We keep doing it. One, because we like talking about this stuff, but we also like we also love the fact that you guys are out there listening. So we really appreciate the support in any fashion that you give us the support, whether it be donating to our Patreon um, or listening to the show, or Commenting leaving comments on, the, on our Facebook page. Yeah. yeah, all of it just warms the cockles of my heart, and it's greatly appreciated. <laughs> You'd think that'd be hard to do. Because I've got cold cockles? Yeah. Okay. I meant easy to do, yeah. Oh. But, uh, but I just want to take this opportunity to thank the listeners and thank everybody for supporting Attack of the Killer podcast. And until next time... Row, row, row your boat gently down the stream. Merrily, 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 let's put a dream. Merrily, merrily, Am I fading We're, out now? Uh, okay, that's okay. Good. Yeah. <laughs> I was waiting for somebody else to join in. They didn't. I don't. I don't. <laughs> oh. Night, everybody. Oh, no. Could this be the end of? <laughs> wow. Tackle.